Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com. Now, businesses. What kind of businesses? We're in a business right now. It's hard. It's hard to even find a niche business, and that's mostly what we can get. Now, most of it, even though they threw it out of the schools a long time ago, I talked to some people recently who are in things like refrigeration, air conditioning, things like that. It's money in that stuff. Unless I've been misinformed, you know. Uh, and these are niche businesses. How do you learn it? Well, a lot of people don't want to go to school and earn it, so learn it. Just like some Vietnamese that I heard about, I read about, I think it was in Reader's Digest some time ago. Couldn't even speak English. And he was homeless. He told the guy that he would do odd jobs around the warehouse just for food money. And just become a gopher. Just run, just do things. Because he couldn't speak English. He's from Vietnam. And so they kept him around there. Because he had one thing going for him. And this is something real important that all black people ought to think about. Because it was told to me by my father, who had a business, a restaurant, about a fellow that worked for him. They called him Jalopy because he used to work on old cars. Jalopy could not read and write. He could read and write his name barely. His name was Tom Carew. But they called him Jalopy because he worked on old cars. Couldn't have fix them. But he worked for my father and he stayed around there. And I asked my father one day, because Jalopy always messed up stuff. I was about 13 years old. I said, why do you keep him around here? Because he always messes up everything. He says, Neely... I'm going to tell you something about Jalopy. He has two things about him. He's just an old country boy. Said, he's always here and on time. And he won't steal nothing. Anything that he wants, he'll ask you for it. That was back in the 1940s. That stayed with me a long time. And I pass that on to a lot of people. I said, you go on a job, even if you don't halfway know what you're doing. I say, first of all, you be there. Be there on the job. And get a reputation for not stealing. 
sometimes we just take for granted to say that, you know, I knew some guys back in the 40s, I mean, who said, man, hey, that's a pretty good job, I mean, you know, and it pays $7.50 a week, that's what wages were back in those days, and uh, all you can steal, guys just automatically say that, job pays $7.50 and all you can steal, that was a common saying, but there were some people like Jalopy who didn't steal, and therefore they stood out. And that works even today. All right? Some guy who's running something, even big businessmen, who are stealing, they will notice that about somebody who works for them. That guy don't steal nothing. You know, everybody we ever had here stole. You know, that guy don't steal nothing. Keep him around. He's a little bit dumb. You know, you have to tell him things over and over again. Because that's the way Jalopy was, you know. But my father, you know, spotted that because he ran a restaurant. And he said, Jalopy won't take nothing. There's just something about him. He won't take nothing. So you can, I don't care how much money you leave around, anything like that, he won't touch it. You know, what you call a dumb country boy. The next time I saw Jalopy, I was on my way on the back of a truck at Greenwood and Archer, on my way to the Army, drafted getting ready to be sent to training to go to Korea. And I heard somebody call my name and was Jalopy. This was another town at another time. And he was doing well. But it instantly hit me having a flashback to what my father said about it. I said, yeah, Jalopy would do well. Even not knowing how to read and write. He would do well. Because he's always on time if you hire and he won't steal nothing. You know? And somebody will notice that. And anywhere he goes, somebody will notice that. You know? In other words, the life is the type of guy who, hey, the owner of the place when it's snowing and he can't make it in and all like that, see? He tells the life to go down and open up. You know? Trust him with all the keys. Why? Because he won't take nothing. You know? person like that and that's the way this Vietnamese guy was getting back to the central story he came here a lot of us been here for years and he worked his way up to be assistant manager why because he was sleeping in the place at night because the guy trusted him he's, he got full range of the place he's walking all over the place during that time he found out where everything was which is people that worked during the day didn't know so they always ask whatever his name was, Pam Son or whatever it is, you know. Hey, where's the so-and-so, you know, big warehouse? And he'd go up there and tell him. I'd take it right to it, see. Next thing you know, he, he became indispensable. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. This is the way we are going to have to become. Otherwise, we're garbage. In any situation where you are, you've got to find a way that you become the person to see. That's a slow process. And you might have to take it low for a while. But that is the process. And it's going to be that way. Because like I said, a lot of us are not going to be able to go into business. Because the niche businesses are drying up. You can't even hardly get a little stand on a sidewalk now. Really. I mean, just selling a few handbags and scarves. And if you try it, you can be outbid 
by some guy who's getting his from a wholesaler that you don't have contact with. Anybody who's tried is this correct? Anybody who knows anything about a little business of any type you're trying to start? If anybody in this room now, if you're going to start a business, what kind would it be? There was a gentleman who was in here a while ago, and he was handing out cards, gave me one. He's talking about internet consulting. All right. That's a business you can be into, but a lot of people are into it already. Okay. I know a few people in the niche businesses and whatnot, but uh, it's going to get harder and harder. Because, you, you know, if there's any money in anything right now, the white guys coming out of college paying $200, $200,000 for having gone to college. Now, who's got that kind of money to go to school? That's number one. Okay? And so any businesses out here that's paying anything, they grab them. I started noticing noticing that back in the 1950s. It's just slowly been going in that direction because manufacturing is going out. It used to be if you were from a place like Ohio or even from Baltimore here. Back in the old days, well, push come to shove, I go down to the shipyards, I go to the steel mill. I don't want to do that kind of work, but I can always fall back on that. And you had a cousin or an uncle working over there. You were in Cleveland, Ohio during the 1940s. Lots of steel mill jobs, shipyard jobs, you know, where they made stuff, parts for ships and all like that. World War II was going on, the big one. None of that exists anymore. I'm talking to some people who've been in the corporate world, which you may aspire to get into. They say it ain't what it's cut out to be. Some of you might know something about it. I mean, you know. But I talked to a black lady who's what you call educated. And she says, hey, she just got kicked around. You know. All right. In that corporate world. More and more black males are finding that out. The young guys out on the street, they're trying to do hip-hop. That field is getting crowded. You know, you're going to have to compete with a whole bunch of people to the extent that some of the guys a few years ago, and still some of them still doing it, they're fighting each other, killing each other. You know, I mean, on account of your song's selling better than mine. I got to eliminate you. Everybody's got us in a robbery now, like it's a football game. Okay? Okay, you know, everywhere you go, where you see black people, you see basketballs being bounced. How many of them are going to make it? And if you're just looking for a job, where is it? I've been out of the job market for years. But if I was 30 years old now looking for a job, can anybody in here tell me where I'd be looking? I'm a black male, 30 years old, on the streets of Washington. I have a 11th grade education because I dropped out. Is it anybody in this room can tell me if I had to go Monday morning looking for a job, where would I go looking? Context of white supremacy.
Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, February 23rd, 2017. So I have been told this is our weekly Thursday workplace racism forum. Uh, We encourage folks dial in, uh, share if you have experiences, problems uh, on the job, if you have figured out some strategies that work well uh, with regards to neutralizing racist activity, uh, minimizing conflict with other black people on your job, other non-white people on your job, other white people on your job. If you have figured out some things where you can just go to work, you do your job, you get all your raises on time, get all your promotions Go do your work and you get to stay there until you get ready to retire or move on to another job. That's exactly what we need. Uh, If you're having difficulties, certainly you can dial in, uh, share whatever those problems are and get feedback strategies uh, from our listening audience. Uh, Certainly, I always uh, encourage folks. This is not a program for spectators. This is not a broadcast where uh, we just, you know, tune in every Thursday uh, just to hear the zany stories that black people are telling things that are happening to them on the job. That's not what this is designed for. If you are a victim of racism, you listen to this program, you should be able to participate. I, I seriously doubt that we have got folks on the line who are not now and or have never had issues with racism on the job. I just do not believe that that being the case, we should have lots of folks uh, who are chiming in and participating. Uh, This is a program. There should not be people who are saying, oh, yeah, I've been listening to workplace racism on the context of white supremacy for, you know, months, weeks and have never participated. (laughs) That should not be happening. This is uh, one way that you can participate and uh, share some of your thoughts, get a little bit more comfortable uh, speaking accurately about racism white supremacy the number to dial 641-715-3640 the code is 564-943-POUND press star 6 if you would like to participate that number again 641-715-3640. The code is 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you would like to participate. Again, particularly the reflecting on previous workplace experiences, I think that's something very important for all of us. Uh, I think uh, unless I've been misinformed, I don't think it's anybody that can truthfully say that, you know, they were just born and they already had an accurate understanding of racism, what it is, how it works, what to do on the job. They had their tactical pen in hand at birth. I don't think, you know, anybody can truthfully say that. So for most of us, we have evolved. We have, you know, learned. We've got more information uh, so we can look back and say, wow, you know, when I worked this job, I had this problem. I didn't really understand racism very well. I didn't, you know, have a code about how to function, how to behave on the job. And if I had known some of the things that I know now, I would have done this. I would not have done this. I would not have said this. I would have said this. 
that I think can be very helpful. So if you have reflections, that is always welcome. And certainly any of the folks, if you are what they call self-employed, uh, share. Always great to hear <clears throat> how uh, black people, non-white people who work for themselves, how that changes the way you experience racism, white supremacy on the job. With that, oh, and certainly uh, any of the folks, if you are listening and you're just you're in a, in a loud environment or you're someplace where you're just not able to speak with us, you can always uh, email until justice at Gmail dot com. Until justice at Gmail dot com. We can share your commentary anonymously uh, if you want to uh, just share feedback, suggestions. Uh, if you want to throw a question out to listeners, uh, you can do it that way and uh, we'll read it on the air. I keep an eye on my email uh, as we proceed through the program. So feel free until justice at gmail.com. People already wrote in thoughts, questions they wanted to share. I'll get to some of them. Uh, the first one, I was stunned. Not totally, but it was pretty surprising. Uh, I had uh, a listener write in. Uh, she said she's a 16 year old black female and her sister older sister uh, was talking to her about racism and I guess she wasn't as receptive at first and then things began to sink in at 16 where she realized that her sister had been telling her truthful information about racism and the world in which we live. So she wrote in she wanted a segment on Dr. Welsing and then it switched to workplace racism which for her would be the classroom. So she writes in about her workplace or classroom experience. So she says Uh, let's see. Recently, I took a history class taught by a white teacher with whom I had a rather close relationship. He gave me a 75 as an overall grade, and I didn't think that was accurate. I later found out that a white male student who often slept through class received an 80. I confronted my teacher and asked him if I would receive a high grade if I slept through the course as well. Woo, 16 and asking questions. Brilliant. He called me angry, disrespectful, and feisty and patronized me the entire time. He even went so far as to push my glasses up when they slid down my face. I started to get upset that my, excuse me, I started to get so upset that my mouth was twitching and the more upset I became, the more he smiled. He told me, that I shouldn't be concerned with any other student besides myself and that I wasn't as prepared as this boy was for the class. He ended up giving me an apology during which he called me angry and disrespectful yet again. On top of all this, he has yet to change my grade. I would like to know if you have any suggestions for interacting with white people on a daily basis without losing your mind. <laughs> uh, well, uh, if folks have suggestions, you can you can certainly uh, share. Uh, we do talk about mental health on the program on a pretty uh, regular basis. Uh, I think that's very important uh, and developing strategies as a young age. I think that would certainly help uh, many non-white people. I know a lot of us, myself included, did not do that. Um, in terms of this situation, uh, it might be helpful uh, to tell your parents if you are a younger person uh, in terms of dealing with the grade, because I would probably want that address. That's something that is 
uh, not up to, well, you should be able to minimize discretion. Like grading is supposed to be on like objective things, classroom participation, that sort of thing. So he should, uh, he should be able to provide evidence as to why you deserve a 75. And if he can't, then the grade should be adjusted. So I would, you know, uh, encourage your parents to get involved. And even in the manner of the discussion, like I would, uh, if he touched your glasses, and, you know, pushing them up on your face, I would uh, raise a concern about that as well. I don't know. Generally, that's one of those where I talk about reading policy and procedure. I would read the manual at the school to see if they have a policy about uh, teachers uh, touching students. Uh, I would make that very clear that that is not appropriate, particularly within the context of uh, someone, you know, raising a question about a grade. Uh, and, you know, maybe I, I got an inaccurate grade. Maybe we need to look at this again. Uh, for that sort of thing to happen. But I would definitely incorporate your parents. And then from the mental health aspect, uh, I think a lot of times just recognizing this is racism, white supremacy. This is what we have to deal with, acknowledging that. And then when you get frustrated, when you get uh, angry about, you know, these type of situations, take time that you need. I think a lot of times what happens is we do not take the time that we need to care for ourselves. We're just frustrated, upset about things. And we just stay angry, stay frustrated, move on to something else. And it really causes a lot of damage to our systems that just doesn't get addressed and, and just, you know, really concentrates uh, and can become a real problem. Uh, but it's certainly folks have, uh, if you want to address either side of that, feel free. Uh, moving forward. Another young person, <laughs> a young scholar in the Bay Area, roughly the same age. Uh, he wrote and he says a couple days ago. Our school hosted a Black History Month assembly. There was a performance from a company directed by uh, OSA alumni, and it was phenomenal. It was focused on Emmett Till, hmm. and the reenactment was spot on. It covered most of the details of what happened to him, and it made a lot of students cry when they saw it. I was astonished by the beginning of the performance when they discussed what it is like to be a black person in this world. I was, I'm actually pretty satisfied with the fact that the school is really recognizing this month as something iconic. In my history class, we have been doing this portion of class where we learn about facts relating to black history and I found this modification was really helpful since it is the only class that we do this in. Mind you that the 10th grade history teacher is a black woman. That is all I would like to share. This is our young scholar. That is grand. They had a whole uh, assembly on uh, Emmett Till. I would be curious if Timothy Tyson's new book uh, came up, but that's great. Uh, accurate information on racism, uh, according to uh, our young listener. Uh, this is the last one I'll read before we get to some of the folks who called in. Okay, uh, person said, I wanted to share a few words about my experience working in the fashion business. It's been close to 10 years since I last held a full-time job in the fashion industry, although I still freelance and work on my own projects here and there. I believe my absence from full-time work was due to me not willing to disrespect myself first and foremost, but specifically not allowing myself to be effeminized to prove I had style or produce clothing correctly. From 2004 to 2007, I designed denim jeans for a young men's urban brand. I entered the job as an assistant designer under a white female designer who literally did nothing but take notes in meetings with the director and then pass them on to me. I was the only male working with six females. 
I worked on initial designs, computer drawings, and even technical packages. Ever so often, I would drop off sketches to her desk only to find her online shopping all day or layering on two tons of powdery makeup, which never really matched her face. I've been doing the work of both designer and assistant for quite a while, even for a season or two once she left the company. In that time, I asked for a promotion to designer to which I was told the company was consolidating its separate denim bottoms positions. They worked on multiple brands into one bottoms design team and I would be an associate designer on that team of two people. They brought in a bottoms director designer and I stayed in the same position with a new title. The new director was a white Frenchman with the feminine flair who did just a tad more than the white female designer that I worked with previously. I found that whites would toss around money at the company, but just not to me. Instead of giving me the raise I deserve, they decided to send me along with the new director to China to work on sampling of new styles. With lodging, food, airfare, and incidentals, my portion of that work trip of about two weeks amounted to just over $12,000. The work that I got done in China was all work that I normally did back in New York City. All the hard work I put in didn't amount to very much at that place. After a second trip to China, they terminated me for doing my job too well and being a self-starter without a supervisor's permission. Well, uh, if anything, I think we have stated before, I know I have, that <clears throat> I think a lot of times victims of racism, we get confused uh, and think that, you know, the problem is black people not working hard enough or if we work really hard and uh, show that we're super competent and skilled, that that will impress racists. They won't mistreat us. And I've said that I've seen the exact opposite a lot of times. I think some of our listeners have attested to that. Another example of that illustration, uh, hard work and all that. They'll exploit it where they can. And sometimes that might just be grounds for, as he said, termination outright. With that, if folks have commentary, the number to dial six. Four one seven one five three six four zero. The code is five six four nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. Uh, folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, line should be open. Feel free to chime in. May I do it? Uh, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. Okay, I'll, I'll make it real quick. I only have uh, two observations. Um, uh, hello to everyone. Um, first, I have an update. I actually called in. I'm not quite sure within the past couple of weeks. I've been calling in for a little while now. Um, I spoke about my friend who was at a job, who at his job, um, a, a white man had stolen a bunch of um, different things because he works at like a reseller and he had actually told me um, the, 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 the white man, he actually ended up um, leaving the job only after he was caught trying to resell a truck full of stuff. 
um, they actually had to uh, call the the company that he was trying to sell the items to to stop the sale. Um, well, the update is that he did finally, the company did finally catch the white guy. He was actually in cahoots with another white man, a, a manager, on the job. So they end up having all the police there, and they end up walking the other white guy out. And as soon as he saw the police, he basically just dropped everything and just kind of, uh, you know, hung his head down and looked down at the ground and walked out. Um, so I just thought that that was interesting, and they still don't really know, or they still not, aren't telling everybody else within the company how much they actually stole. But I'm assuming if the if the rich if the guy if the regular employee was brave enough to steal a whole truckload of stuff and try to resell it, I'm sure, like I said before, it's in the tens of thousands of dollars. Um, the other incident that I had was actually. Um, with my job, and it was like a past incident. Um, and, it, and when um, I was going back through the archives, because I haven't keeping up with the current um, book study, and just the whole palatableness of um, that, that um, if if we as black people, if we try to be more white, then that kind of makes it seem like we are um, the suspected racist. Uh, they receive us a little bit better, basically. Well, and also it makes me think about what um, you all have been saying throughout the show, um, that we should be taking notes and everything. And in one meeting I was taking notes, and apparently I was the only person who was taking notes. Um, or actually, I brought notes to the meeting because we were discussing issues. And uh, I'm, I was one of the only black people within the meeting. I think I was actually only one of two black females in the meeting, and um, this one white lady from a different department, she was so impressed that she was like, oh, I love you, and smiled real big at me and everything. And so it just definitely made me think about that, like, they, once they somewhat see, uh, once they recognize one of their tactics, which is something that they, they study, like uh, Mr. Falera said, you know, they study us, they study everything, then that's kind of makes them happy, but then it also, I feel like it puts us in a position to be watched more. Um, that's all I had. Thank you for allowing me to share. Wow. <clears throat> wow. The, uh, the other female caller who yielded the floor, uh, did you want to share? Uh, hey, um, good evening, everybody. Hope everybody's having a nice night tonight. Um, I could really use a little bit of advice on how to deal with some issues I'm having at work. Um, uh, I do work in retail and they hired a new guy at work. He's a white guy. I'm about, uh, 99% sure that he's, um, a, a white supremacist. He just started last Saturday and I had no idea what, what he looked like. I just heard that, that you know, this is such and such the new hire. And uh, so when he walked in, I said, hey, and greeted him and everything. And uh, he didn't say anything to me. He just kind of looked at me. I was standing, like, in the front of the store with the um, with the manager, and he just walks right over to the manager. And, he, and yeah, he, um, he talks to the manager and everything, and they start talking and laughing like they're old, old buddies or whatever. And um, 
I had no idea what this guy's name was for at least two hours. He didn't introduce himself to me. He didn't even act like I was there. And I'm in charge of training him. And over the past week, I've been trying to train him up and do everything. And he always acts aloof. Like I don't teach him anything when, um, when the manager comes around. And also it's a, a white woman that I work with and she's very skittish. I, I really don't trust her to start with. Um, and she always wants to hug me and she's always crying about something. Um, and I've told her several times, don't touch me, don't hug me. And she just keeps on doing it. And I don't know what to do about this because I'm the only black person there. And I've like expressed that I've had some issues with, um, other, other employees and nothing ever gets done. And that's all. Thank you. Hmm. Uh, with the no touching, uh, aspect, um, and, and certainly if there are other black female, this is another one, the spectating, if you are a black female, if you've dealt with this issue before, if you have suggestions on how to neutralize this issue, then, you know, opportunity to make sure you are not spectating. But my, um, thought, cause this comes up all the time on the program about the unwanted, unwanted, uh, touching. I think I said this last week. I would make it immediate. I don't know what the nature of it, if it's a hug or if it's, you know, rubbing you or patting or whatever it is, but I would immediately step away. Whoa. <laughs> I do not do touching on the job. Uh, I'm here to help. I'm here to be a team player or whatever the link. If they say family or whatever it is, we can get things done. I will help you in any way that I can, but I do not do touching on the job. Uh, I would just make that immediately clear. If it's a hug, I would immediately move away. If it's any sort of pat or anything like that, I would snatch away. Uh, I would immediately, I mean, bolt. Like, give me, you know, like five, ten feet. Mr. Fuller, I think he said that uh, specifically. Uh, it would be immediate. Whoa, whoa, what's going on here? I mean, at this, unless we're working uh, in like a brothel uh, or something like that, then, you know, hey, let's be professional. Let's be uh, business associates. And how we're handling things. We're not here to, you know, get a date or anything like that. That would be my suggestion. Um, are there other? You said this is a white woman, right? Who's doing this? Yeah, she's a she's a white woman. She's really skittish, and she's always crying over something Donald Trump did. That's her. That's her new thing. Hmm. So uh, I, I really just don't have anything to say to her. All I know, she voted for him. Hmm. And it, I mean, this could be, in my view, this is one of the ways that, you know, the vampiric nature, we're doing delectable Negro tomorrow, uh, delectable Negro tomorrow. One of the ways that they are uh, parasites with us is our time and energy and demanding, demanding like our emotional energy, like come and cheer me up or come and listen to me or just come and let me tell you about all my stories. And I want to touch on you and all that, where it's just another way that they consume, consuming our time directly, but still consuming us in my view. Uh, and I think a lot of folks have talked about this uh, in the workplace setting specifically where whites are doing the same thing that you're, you're talking about here. Um, any, do we have any of the, uh, I guess any female, co well, since this is not a male female, any any callers have suggestions on what what you uh, would recommend for this touching thing? How you would deal with this white woman? May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. 
Um, I'm actually one of the black females who had spoken before about the touching. I was the one where the white woman kept touching my chest. Um, I know, like, uh, I know that the, the female caller, she said that she's told the, the white woman to not touch her, but also what I've done because, uh, when I actually took your advice and everyone's advice and, you know, just told her flat out, Hey, I don't want that to be done anymore. She, she hasn't done that, but then I also took the extra step to try to avoid her. I know that, you know, like, like you said that, like the female caller said that she works in the retail, um, industry. So I'm not quite sure if that is, is, if she's able to do that. Um, but I know that that's, that's definitely helped me out. Um, as soon as I see her coming one way, I try to basically make a beeline the opposite direction, but I also don't see her that much either. Uh, but I, I just wanted to add that. Thank you. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, this is uh, kind of like the uh, second or third time that I gave a suggestion to the, the very uh, subject. Uh, and once again, I'll say, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not definitely not faulting a, a, a victim of racism, white supremacy for that type of infraction. Uh, uh, it, it, it's something that, uh, that it wasn't triggered by the, non-white black person, the, the lady, uh, uh, but in this world that is dominated by the global system of racist white supremacy, it's, we, we, we're going to have to kind of like alter our personalities. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I may not be using the right terminology. Help me, help me if I, if I, it don't, if it don't make any sense, but we're going to have to alter our personalities. Uh, even what is, considered to be uh, feminine and, 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 and dainty, quote-unquote, it's, it's just going to have to, it's going to have to change from a standpoint of that person putting their hands on you and consistently doing it. Because I, I've, what, what she's talking about, I, I have witnessed myself, uh, especially white females. A, a, a non-white female, especially a non-white black female, would, would probably would get it without even even no uh no uh uh uh, uh, uh real serious uh uh talk at all but white females are determined that's what white people do but you you you're just going to be consistent you're going to have to you have to look that person right in the right in the face right in the face uh now i'm not necessarily recommending this but i would say this is what i have done there's, there's, there's not security cameras all over the place all over the time. And at some point in time, sometimes you, you may get that person somewhere where it's just you and that other person. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about anything physical. I'm literally talking about telling that person, you know, in so many untold words that you're not going to be touching me anymore. I'm here to work. You know, I'm, I'm just giving an example. And I mean, I, I, I don't, don't use my words, uh, and, and your words may be much more better than mine. But in so many untold words, just you know, tell that person, you know, let them see how serious you are about the situation. I'm not saying that you're you, you're you're not, but but uh, 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 white people, white females, like animals, like predators. They know someone who basically has uh, 
a a personality where they can continue to do certain things to them to that to that person that they don't they they don't appreciate and they do it from the standpoint of of the best thing I can say about it is, is they do it kind of like to torment that person in a sense until that person stands up to them. That's basically what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's a form of bullying in a, in a sense. Uh, but, uh, that, that's, that's basically, I mean, I may have taken a long time because I, I've seen it a lot and I, I, I've, I've heard about it also. And I've heard it on this program and, 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 and I, that's what I would recommend. I've actually uh, have have did something similar to males, and I only had to do it one time. I only had to do it one. Let them know one time we ain't friendly like that. I don't. I didn't come on this job to to uh, that that I had to get along with somebody. Uh, I'm coming here to work uh, and do the best I can at work. I'll, I'll be courteous to you, but you are not going to put your hands on me as long as I'm around here. And uh, I better leave it alone from there. Thank you for listening. Can I be heard? Hello? I heard both of you. Uh, we'll get, uh, I guess we'll get Emmy first. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, in a similar vein as what Mr. Firefighter said, um, I think that there's a certain level of ownership that we get to have as race, as victims of racism and supremacy, but also as black females over our space and our body. Um, it's something that I've had to deal with, and later on I'll comment on even a new situation. But one thing um, with, you know, I know that you don't want to cause any conflict at your job. And I think one big part about codification is not causing any conflict because you're there to make your money and make whatever moves it is that you want to make. At the same time, we have to be very clear that there there is a space where you can be very firm with another person, especially a white person, and making sure that your space is respected. When I was going through it, and it was like at its like height, and I was just like, like it reached a point where I was just like, wait a minute, I'm not about to be in conflict about my body. Like, that's not up for negotiation at all. Like, of all the things that we're negotiating, I'm not negotiating my body. Like, if I don't want to be touched, everybody should understand that I don't want to be touched. And I'm not going to be touched. So if you touch me, this is what we're going to do or, or go through as many times. So I got, like, I reached that kind of point, like, within myself. I was just like, oh, no, no more. Absolutely not. And um, one of the things that I found very helpful that I wanted to share specifically is over like way more of communication is nonverbal than it is verbal. So what when we're communicating, people are really reading our nonverbals more so than what it is that we're saying. So making sure that when you're telling this woman, your nonverbals are not contradicting just the words that you're saying. So some, and there's like, there are wonderful videos on YouTube. I'll try to find one and post it on Gus's, Facebook page um, about reading nonverbals and ways that you can actually prevent people from coming in your space or avert certain type of situations just by how you're posturing your body. 
Now, if someone snuck up behind you, like, you know what I'm saying? I don't know what to say about that. But, like, if you see someone come in, there are things that you can do practicing, holding, like, looking them in their eyes until they look away. Like, these things might seem like they're irrelevant, but they're not. Um, so if you feel like looking up the video before I can find it, I do think that that's really important. Like, even how you stand with your hands, how your feet are positioned, all of this speaks a lot to how you feel about yourself and how, like, the certain ownership of your space that you do. And I do think that that is constructive. I have seen that work for myself. But I will just say, um, you are female, and I know it's up for, it's in the air whether or not we can be considered women because we're black, whatever. But your body is your body. And becoming resolved that no one is going to touch you, white wench or no, is really like an internal thing. You know what I'm saying? It like, even if the conversation is like, look, Sue, we've had this conversation many times about you coming and hugging me, and I feel like I've told you that I don't like it. So I don't like it. Stop. You know? And uh, let's not have this happen again. Otherwise, we may need to go ahead. And you know what? Even putting that in writing, I don't know, like, what you all system is, if y'all email each other and stuff like that, but emailing it, too. I had to email somebody one time, too, for touching me and um, putting in an email. Look, listen, you know, I know that you are all touchy-feely, however you want to word it, um, and I know you feel like we're close or whatever, but don't touch me. That way it's already in writing. And if this happens again, boom, I've already notified her in a very professional way. Here we are doing this. And be prepared if you have to escalate it. I don't think that you should say to yourself, like, if nothing happens, then there's nothing that can happen. Like, if you keep telling her and she keeps doing it, that you don't have other moves that you can make. Because it's your body. And nothing feels more gross than when people just keep touching you whenever you don't want them to. I will confess. Like, I would sit here in my room, it'd be hours, like the next day, and I still feel funny because somebody touched me. So if you are anything like me in that respect, like, if you have to go ahead and know that you might have to go above this white woman or speak to somebody else and however, like, go ahead and be prepared to do that very professionally, in a very correct way, with all the right verbiage. But because it's your body, and this is not up for negotiation, like, this is, this is basic standard practice. If you don't want to be touched, you shouldn't be touched, period. Thank you. Hello? Thank you. Uh, yes, ma'am. The caller is 7656. Thank you so much for taking my call. Good evening, everyone. Um, I agree with what's been said. Again, you can do it informally. You can, Now, don't say this, but, you, you know, if you touch me inside, I'll have to touch you outside. Don't say that. Don't do that. Um, but what you can do is... Since you said this lady seems skittish, this is a safety issue. You know, you can go with your body and emotional. Don't get emotional. This is a safety issue. You've told her something several times, and she can't hear you. You work in a retail establishment. Communication is important. She is affecting the productivity of the organization. You don't have to make it about you. You don't have to make it about her. Say, this behavior does not help the organization. This is a safety issue because if she can't hear like you said, you work in a retail establishment. What if you see a forklift? I don't know what, what retail establishment you work at, but if it's a big box chain or something like that, they usually have forklifts and stuff, moving around. If she can't hear or she's jumpy or something, that affects everyone else's performance, and that's just not good. 
So I will put it that way. As not, yes, yeah, she is. She's probably not a danger to you. You could probably take her, I guess, if you wanted. But her her actions are a danger to the organization. And as a trainer, you have to remain professional. And I don't. And that training doesn't involve being touched all the time. Thank you. Did other folks have uh, suggestions that they wanted to share? Thank you to the two uh, previous female callers. Did other folks have suggestions on how to deal with the, the touching situation? I guess no other uh, suggestions on that. I, too, think uh, just with, with how, whichever strategy you take, uh, I, I definitely think viewing it as, as an act of black self-respect um, to the best of your ability uh, in a workplace setting, make sure that people are not, you know, touching you in an unwanted manner. Uh, I think it can be very helpful to practice what you're going to say. Uh, like I've said that all the time, I think you put yourself in a much better position if you can ahead of time already think of things that you might have to deal with on the job. And then how would I respond? So you already know it's likely that she's going to do this white woman is going to do this again. So the next time, this is what I'm going to do. You figure out your own way of, of what you want to say. You can already envision like the tone, how you want to sound when you say it, what you want to do with your body. Emmy, I think, talked about you know nonverbal uh, communication and how, what you want to signal with your posture, if you want to be standard or seated or whenever this might happen. But already plan that out, and you can say it. Say it a few times. You can say it in the mirror, so that way you'll already have some muscle memory about, you know, all right, this is what it sounds like when I say it. This is the tone that I want. You'll already have some practice. Uh, and I'm of the opinion that whites do this with us. They already rehearse how they're going to carry out some of the things that they do and get their words together. We're just doing the same thing. This is how you refine your counter-racist code. It's been my experience for some people that is very helpful. They already uh, have done it a few times, so they don't, they don't feel as nervous. They feel a little bit more confident going into that situation when it happens. Thank you. I'm a, um, I will actually practice that. I do do that in cer certain situations. Like if I know I have to train the next day, I kind of go over what I'm going to be going through. So I will just add training, well, practicing what I'm going to say to her into that. Absolutely. And I think the email is a big one, too. I think Emmy had a lot of great success with that, using it uh, real time, uh, emailing the person. That way you have electronic documentation that this happened where you start accumulating a paper trail of incorrect behavior. Uh, I've seen in a lot of different circumstances where people, uh, they t as they say, they straighten up and, and fly right once there starts to be electronic documentation of their incorrect behavior. If uh, folks didn't have other suggestions on this, I guess if you have them as we go, that's fine, too. Uh, if other people that dialed in, if you have your own situation that you want to share or if you have uh, questions, comments about what we've discussed thus far, proceed. Yes, really quick before we move on, can I make a comment to the 16-year-old female? Yes, ma'am. I wanted to do it just in case... Um, she listens and she doesn't listen to like the whole thing. I kind of wanted to get in earlier. Um, number one, I think that's like super, super fantastic. Hopefully one day you're able to call in and uh, we can talk to you. I think that'd be awesome to hear from you. Um, I was trying to think of what would be the best advice that I could give to a 16 year old coming to this information who just had 
a relatively traumatic experience. Like, I would think that that's slightly traumatic, especially someone, because I wear glasses. And when you said it, I was like, wait a minute, if someone put their finger, like, in between my eyes and push my glasses, like, I would, I would totally feel violated, like, enraged even. Like, I'd probably be screaming for days about it. My blood pressure and stress level would be so high. So what would I say to somebody that would be constructive, like, something that you could do? Because I think writing in was one really great thing. Like sharing your story is fantastic. I also think that since you are having access to such wonderful information, like the creme de la creme, as they call it, is information, you are at such an advantage. One thing that you can do is like turning your experiences into something constructive for yourself even, and then maybe for other people at large, is documenting like you could be like a, a an investigator in all these situations. There's another young gentleman who, the scholar from the Bay Area, he talks about a lot of things that he sees in his class, in his school, in his environment, but you could be writing it. So the point that I'm trying to get is that you could be writing your experiences. I don't know if you've listened to a lot of these, um, but if you have, then you've probably heard Gus mention um, to some of us older folks out here in the work environment to keep a uh, workplace a journal. Um, and who knows, you might journal already, so this could be completely mute. But if you don't, um, or maybe like specify your journaling to where it's like specific to racism um, and the things that you're observing, particularly about racism, I think that would be great. You could start with this entry and write all the details that you can, observations that you made, um, things you realized leading up to it, things you've observed about this white boy who sleeps in class all day but still can get a better grade than you. Um, things you observed about this white teacher, you could just be, and since no one really knows like what all that you know, then I always think that that's a very powerful place because then they think you're stupid, which means that you could be asking questions, which you did wonderfully, and then be writing all the answers that you get and be compiling that information. And what that will help do is as you, because now that you're going to start seeing more because you have access to more information, it'll be harder to make sure like, it won't be harder, but you just want to make sure that you don't make it personal. Like, begin to think that this is, like, you alone or something about you or if you adjust your behavior or maybe you did something. Like, no, you can avoid all of that by go ahead and documenting so that, you know, because sometimes a traumatic experience later on, you'll think about it and be like, well, what's that and all that? You don't even have to do that. Bypass all that and journal specifically about your experiences. Since you're coming on to the information, I think that'll help to clear your mind of what you're seeing and protect your energy so that you don't feel dissipated. And then it'll also protect you if you try to talk to other people your age who may not be receptive to all of the things that you want to talk about. You won't be without a outlet. Like I know you do have your sister. I think you said that. Um, but also so you can just have a place where you can just get it all out. I think journaling would be great or blogging or blogging or however, you know, all the young people are doing it these days, but you could write about it. So thank you for sharing your story too. That's it. Thanks. Grand, grand. Uh, other folks that we have not heard from, if you have commentary, feel free. Mm -hmm. 
The other people that are on the line who have a hand up, uh, did you all uh, have commentary just dialed in to spectate? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I'm on a I'm on a new audio system, so if uh, if my audio cuts out or it sounds um, uh, not up to par um, with the uh, uh, standards, um, please just let me know, and I'll uh, try to remedy this. But um, yeah, I am uh, reporting from uh, from Los Angeles. And uh, this is Ken Steele. And I guess with uh, workplace racism, I'm going to have to address, uh, um, I guess, my other um, pursuit or my other workplace, which is uh, the realm of comedy. Um, One of the things that is present in comedy right now is that a lot of activity is um, going on on Facebook. A lot of uh, networking goes on on Facebook. And uh, recently, a club owner from uh, Chicago, uh, I guess, uh, took offense to some of the things that uh, I was posting on one of his comments and one of his statuses. I, I guess I pointed out the fact that he was, in fact, a Milo supporter. And then uh, for the next few days, he decided to um, begin harassing me on the uh, internet. And um, I, I said, you know, I don't go back and forth with Nazi sympathizers at one point. And then uh, later, he denied being a Nazi sympathizer, and then he uh, sent me some swastikas. And then, uh, or he sent me a picture of a black person wearing a t-shirt of a swastika or something. So I, you know, this guy was being, uh, I guess, very racist towards me and then leveraging his position as a club owner to, uh, I guess, um, I guess, shut me out or shut me down. And then eventually he made direct threats towards my safety and um, saying that he's going to say where my, uh, he's going to find out where my gigs are and he's going to send people to Irvine to come and get me and, uh, you know, it was all very, very jarring. And then to top everything off, he is one of the people in Chicago that are, uh, I guess, advertising gun sales on the internet. So all of this happened in the realm of comedy. And uh, one thing that this whole situation brought to mind was uh, something that my mother um, uh, made aware to me uh, some years ago when I was getting started. And she said, you do realize that every single time you perform, you are out late at night in settings with alcohol where uh, people's emotions are um, being, uh, I guess, played with. And I just, I don't know, this whole uh, situation really um, brought to light for me just how uh, exposed one is on uh, when telling jokes on stages at night um, and just how vulnerable uh, one can be uh, in this position. And I guess that's something that um, I guess was an uh, episode of workplace racism. I eventually went and reported this incident to the police um, in Irvine, and they uh, essentially told me that um, 
there was uh, no criminal act uh, that was done on his part. And, you know, that to me seems really hard to believe when uh, I noticed that people have been uh, arrested for um, saying much less uh, threatening things um, to people online. And uh, they called uh, what he was saying um, thinly veiled threats. And for their criteria for a threat to be credible, um, it has to be actionable and it has to be specific. And this person in the course of these um, postings that he made on a public forum, by the way, um, that he made, uh, I mean, they were fairly, uh, or they were, um, in my estimation, very specific. I mean, he said exactly the town that uh, I'm often in. He made mention that he knows people that knows me. He made mention that he has plenty of money. He made mention that uh, he knows uh, or that he will find out where my gigs are. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much more specific that is uh, that you have to get. But they made it seem like for a threat to be credible, somebody has to be standing right there in your face with a gun. And, um, you know, and then they they made mention that they're being victimized on the Internet all the time um, by people who uh, who over scrutinize where they park on emergency calls. Uh, That was, uh, I guess, the example that they gave um, uh, to me for the type of uh, harassment that they receive online. But this, uh, I don't know, this was very uh, racist, the way that he was approaching me. Um, He uh, was posting pictures of firearms that he had for sale. Um, So it suggests to me that he has excess firearms if you have firearms to sell. So he is armed. He uh, made mention that he had a concealed carry permit in uh, in comments. So all of this is very, 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 uh, scary to me. And, um, I, you know, I'm in fear of my life, to tell you the truth. And, uh, and this is all based off of the, uh, the workplace of comedy. And they, the police made mention that that is, uh, they, they made mention of a line that I guess is a cliche because I've heard it from, um, Neely Fuller and I've heard it in, uh, uh, the godfather he said uh it was a variation of the phrase um this is the business that uh, you have chosen so um yeah this is uh this is what i'm facing right now currently um, i'll mute my line from here wow i am sorry to hear that mr Steele. um i would definitely i think uh it's always best to take that sort of thing uh, seriously, just because uh, these white people, I mean, they are so dangerous. I think eight-year anniversary, as Mr. Fuller, I mean, excuse me, as uh, Mr. Nero has said previously, white people kill for fun. And I have seen where these, uh, I think they, they call it like the uh, internet trolling or just something that starts on social media. Uh, that sort of thing can get real serious. Anything with white people can get serious, but um, where they have uh, these racist trolls. We have been attacked by them sometimes, and I think uh, some of these white people, uh, they have trolls that just go out and, and harass people and, you know, cause all kinds of problems uh, for them. So I would take it seriously um, and just be vigilant. And uh, I, exactly the way that the enforcement officials responded, I'm not uh, surprised about that. 
uh, at all. Uh, them giving you the Godfather line, like, hey, this is, you know, this is what you chose, this is what you signed up for, you know, this is what happens uh, being in the public eye. We get the same thing, you know, toughen up, toughen up, buddy. <laughs> like they, they can't do anything with, and I, I agree, I think I have seen uh, recent incidents where uh, white people, when they were subjected to the same sort of abuse, uh, white people took it seriously and uh, they went and did something uh, and made it clear that that sort of uh, conduct was not, you know, acceptable. Uh, they're not going to tolerate it, not going to put up with it. Um, unless, you know, other folks had uh, comments, suggestions on uh, what they have heard thus far, questions. Uh, other folks that we have not heard from at all, did you have uh, your own commentary you wanted to share? Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Okay. If it's okay, I'll share just a couple of things. Um, go ahead and move it out the way. I'm so happy that so many young people are listening to the cows. I think there just may be even more than I previously thought, and that just really makes me um, excited and happy. Uh, one thing for the young people, I'm going to say stay away from social media. If you listen to this, like you just heard a great example of why. Um, there's really no need to be putting your political stance, your perspectives on the system of racism, white supremacy, or what you're learning about the system of racism, white supremacy, um, on there. Like, I, I, if you want to share news and stuff, like, I totally get that. Come up with another alias, make a whole new page, drop off altogether. Um, I think you just really want to be smart, especially because when you're young, you don't know the you know, further ramifications. Those of us in the workforce, we know we've been thoroughly trained not to do stuff like um, that because it can come and, you know, be bad for us. Um, but you're young, so you don't really know that quite yet. But I can see colleges and stuff looking at that. And it could be, you know, to your detriment in the future if, if you're out there putting all of your feelings. So I would say just to, you know, tie that in because the young people are listening, don't. Um so one of the things that um, – so I had a touching situation, but it wasn't necessarily a touching situation, but I was disappointed in how I handled it. So I was on campus, and I was walking through a revolving door, and this, and I should have known better. Like, that was why I was so upset. It was like I never fathomed that someone would invade my space in the revolving door. Like, to me, that was such standard practice, one person per – you know, triangle of the revolving door. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So I get in the revolving door and I feel somebody on my heels and I look back and it is this white guy. And I'm like, the, you mean you write like you were on, I didn't even know. You know what I'm saying? I was so caught and I turned and I looked at him. He knew and he just kept a straight face and walked. I didn't even know what to do. And by the time I came to like, I, I still wouldn't even know. You know what I mean? And I've been playing it back in my head, and now I know in the future if that were to happen, I'd be like, don't you ever do that to me again or something like that. Um, but I was so stunned because I never fathomed that someone would jump behind me in the revolving door. And uh, and then it kicked back all those things. I'm a victim. I'm not like whatever. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, man, I thought I was over this. And I was completely like, how do you just going to be in a revolving door? Um, but he was. There was this white guy actually was in the same, and those things are not big. They're not made for two people. Two people can get in there, obviously, but they're not made for two people. And he, that means he's like, 
all up on my backside, you know? So anyway, um, that happened. And then, so my code is not to help white people like many other people's code is on the cows. Uh, no, that's not my job to help white people. I told you all I was in a group. I'm still in the group, unfortunately. And uh, how the white male terrorist decided he wanted to try to cry and I was going to feel sympathy, that's not happening. So then the teacher made us switch tables. And I shared that I had picked a table with all non-white people, two black people and a so-called, well, he's like his Latino or whatever. And so um, then she switched it all up. And then I got stuck at a table with two white female terrorists and a white guy. And um, so, like, I'm just there, and I'm just like, whatever. And I like math, so I pay it like I'm getting it. And uh, so we were working. I got the answers. The white people didn't get it. And so the white teacher comes, and she's like, oh, well, you should share your wisdom. And I looked up and like, no, (laughs) no, I don't owe no white person anything. And I didn't help them. They asked me for my help, and I just act like I didn't. Like I just played it. I don't even know how to tell you in a codified way that I did it. I just looked up and was like, oh, I don't have the right answer, and went back to doing my work, even though I did. And um happened again today. But, no, I'm not. All the black people, like the black people in the class, I will come before class. I'll stay after class. I will try my hardest if they are really invested in understanding the information to help them understand why people are not getting anything from me. Um, and then I'll tell you, so I was at work and, um, I got, I got a recording, but you really can't hear him because it really wasn't as bad as the last time, but I was very satisfied because I knew what was happening when it was happening. So I worked the overnight. Um, he comes, he walks past the desk. He says, hello. No, he says like, good evening or something like that. And I looked up and I said, hello. And then he starts mumbling to himself and he says stuff like, oh, Christ, Jesus Christ, like, you know, to show his disgust with me. So I was like, oh, okay, because he had his dog with him. And I was like, all right, well, you're going to end up coming back anyway. So I had my recorder, like, ready, you know, because I knew it wasn't going to end. He didn't get the reaction he wanted, all the, you know, petting that white people really need from us. I didn't give it to him, so he wasn't happy. And so uh, when he came back, I knew he was going to do it. He walked right up to the desk. And I just looked at him, and he said, hello. And I said, do you need something? And, and I had practiced that, actually. Let me tell you that I do, pra- I do take Gus's advice very seriously. And he's always talking about practicing things. So I had already practiced what my two responses were going to be, and it was going to be whichever one came out. Do you need something, or how can I help you? Like, there's nothing else to talk about. So even if you say, so what's your name? Do you need something? How long have you been working here? How can I help you? Do you need something? How can I help you? That's all that matters until you leave my desk or the desk that I sit at. It's not mine, but the desk that I sit at. So he comes back, sure enough, comes right up to the desk. Mine, it's like, anyway, comes right up to the desk. And he's like, hello. I look up. Do you need something? And he's like, oh, I just want to say hello again. I said, okay. And I just stared. That was my other codified response, like, Unless you have a question or, like, a specific need, I'm not going to be volunteering any information or placating or being polite or being extra courteous or making conversation. I'm not doing that. That's another way I feel like white people are vampires on me personally, like, all black people, but I feel it for me. 
I'm looking at you. If you need something, I'm more than happy to be professional, get you what you need, assist you in whatever way I can. That is my job. That is what I get paid to do to make you feel good, to give you something to do or someone to talk to or so you can feel above me because I'm not human and you're white and whatever. No, we're not doing that. You know what I'm saying? So another one of my practiced codified responses is silence. And that's what I gave him. And he walked away from that desk after I said nothing, again, talking to himself about the nigger at the front desk who is just, you know, whatever. But I was very happy with how that ended. I wish I could have, like, played it for you, but you wouldn't be able to hear it. Um, So I'll just say to anybody else out there, if you're like me, like, I'm real committed to not being further traumatized and and incapable of dealing with it. Um, So some... There's a lot of good information on the cows, and the workplace racism is, like, super fantastic. So uh, take advantage of the advice. That's it. Thanks. Context of white supremacy. Practice definitely encourage that. It can be very uh, helpful and just make it very smooth when racist white people do what they do. You already know what you're going to say. You've practiced it. It'll just flow right out. Uh, the number again, 641-715-3640. The code is 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you would like to participate. Uh, one quick thing on the revolving door. Um, the context of white supremacy, we've been doing workplace racism so long, we have had epic stories involving racism and revolving doors. This goes back like years, like before we even had uh, the individual workplace racism segment on Thursdays. Thomas in New York, he was at work, and I don't know if he's listening to that, but man, oh man, he was at work, he was going through the revolving door, and this white guy sped up. To go through now, I don't think he was trying to get in the same uh, little like compartment as Thomas, but he wanted to go through when Thomas pushed the door. And I think he emphasized that the revolving door, it's big, it's heavy. It takes, you know, some effort to push and make the door uh, rotate. So the white guy was going to try to get a free ride and just hop in when Thomas went through the revolving door and uh, the white guy. I mean, Thomas, he pushed it really fast. He saw that this was going to happen, right? I'm anticipating the white guy was going to do this. So he pushed the revolving door really fast. And the white guy, he tried to rush to get in, and he ended up uh, catching his shoulder on the side, and he dropped his iPhone and broke it. I think he tried to say it was like a brand-new iPhone. So he drops his iPhone, breaks it. And he tries to get Thomas's, uh, he tries to get Thomas to pay for it. He like goes to Thomas's white boss and I uh, was like, you know, the nigger didn't, you know, hold the door. But he's pay for my new iPhone. He hurt my shoulder and all of this. And he had to use some counter racism code to stop it there. And then it escalated again. Oh, I mean, it just became epic epic with the revolving door. So, uh, and I'm sure some people that if you've been listening to the eight years, I know Thomas in New York, if he's on the line, I know he remembers. He can tell us, uh, he can tell you the details because this was epic. It just went on and on and on, this guy trying to get Thomas to pay for his phone. So the gist of all that being, 
white people are going to do what they do. Dogs bark, birds chirp, white people practice racism. So even when, and I think about this, like, I mean, this is, you know, moment to moment. What does it mean to be white? That means every individual that you suspect could be classified as white. This could be a moment of racism. So even on the job, when I'm going in the door, I'm going to be conscious of that. If they have revolving doors or whatever it is, this could be a moment, you know, where they choose to not open the door. And I think there are many people, there are many instances of workplace racism that happen just at the entrance. I think Cynthia McKinney in Congress, they had, uh, I guess you have to show your ID when you go through the entrance. And I think either she didn't have it or something, but that ended up being a big melee uh, that involved racism with, you know, she alleged that was a part of the, uh, treatment. I've seen tons of cases, judges going through the interest at the courthouse. I think it was a black judge. Same thing where, you know, they said they didn't recognize him or he didn't have his badge on. And, you know, the black person said they felt that racism was being practiced. So, I mean, you really have to be aware uh, just even going through the entrance at your job. You need to be aware uh, this could be a moment where a white person chooses to practice racism. Other folks that uh, are on the line, if you have uh, either observations, questions, uh, you want to share your own uh, commentary, uh, line should be open. Feel free. Hello? May yes. I uh, heard both of you. I guess we'll get the vote dialer. Kay? Yes. Hi. Um, I just wanted to respond to, is it Mr. Steele? Um, I'm Sorry to hear of his situation, and I'll lift him up in prayer, and that God provides a way of escape in reference to that situation. Um, thank you. Ashe. Uh, the other female caller who dialed in, uh, who spoke simultaneously, did you have commentary? Good evening, ma'am. Be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um, good evening, Dustin, to all the uh, callers and listeners. Um, I wanted to share my observations at the law firm that I have been working at for almost a year. Um, I had my first official performance review uh, last week, and it was interesting. Um, the office manager uh, had me rate my performance on a couple of different um, items, I guess, on a scale from one to five, five being like exceeding expectations and one being, um, you know, like poor performance. And so the two attorneys that I support um, rated my performance. I was to rate my performance and then the office manager, she does a rating. And so for the most part, well, I think on all of them, I put fours for each category as far as my attitude, um, attendance, uh, you know, it was just like different categories uh, that you give yourself a rating. And um, I rated fours on all of them. The attorneys that I support, uh, one rated all fives, and then the there's a non-white, well, one of the attorneys is a white man, and then the other attorney, he's a non-white male. He's classified as, like, Chaldean, Arab, and he rated me with all fours. And then the office manager, who was a white female, um, she gave me all five ratings, and she was just saying, oh, you know, you're being so modest, 
And I think that, you know, you're doing a great job. And she was just trying, couldn't understand why I was, you know, not giving myself all uh, fives. I thought that was um, pretty interesting. Um, then she wanted to offer me some suggestions because she said, oh, I think you're doing an awesome job here. Everyone seems to like you. Um, you know, everything so far just so just great. And I just I just see so much uh you know, advancement possibly for with you in in this firm and I'm just listening to her like whatever. Just let's get <laughs> let's get through with this. And so the suggestions that she gave me were was for me to be more social because I don't go to lunch. I'm always being asked to go to lunch by the other female um secretaries and support staff and uh that's one thing I do not do. Um, I use my lunch breaks and any breaks I have to, you know, be to myself. But she um, wanted to make sure she stressed that I should be more social. She also suggested that I sit in the lunchroom. Um, she also suggested that I participate more in our meetings and give a little bit more feedback because I do go to the meetings and I'm taking notes. I'm trying to find out, you know, what information I need to have that's going to assist me to perform my job, and that's it. But I don't offer feedback. I don't make any commentary. I don't say anything. I'm just a warm body sitting in the seat, and I'm listening. But she wanted to, you know, stress that I should participate more. So I'm just noticing that the more um, – and, and, again, I'm very courteous. I'm very friendly when, you know, someone speaks to me. But I just say to myself, but I notice that that really makes um, white people uncomfortable. And so outside of my entire performance review, all of these fives that I'm getting, that is what concerned her, the fact that I'm quiet, once again, the fact that I don't sit in the lunchroom, the fact that I'm not socializing. So I just thought that was interesting, and I um, made notation of that. Um, the second thing that I wanted to uh, bring out is one of the, uh, well, there's quite a few people that smoke cigarettes in this, in this firm. And there's, uh, I looked in the, the manuals, and I'm so glad that you stressed for us to read our handbook. And I noticed they have quite a few people that smoke cigarettes, and they take an just ridiculous amount of smoke breaks. And this one, uh, the female uh, that works next to me, the white female, who she's the one who brought in her uh, Donald Trump, Trump calendar I had mentioned a few weeks ago, where she takes just literally over 20 breaks a day. I don't see how she gets any work done, but I always make note that she's always gone away from her desk, not there. And so I'm like, well, what is the smoking policy? Like, what, do they have a policy? And I looked in the handbook, and it's really interesting because um, – it says that if we're a smoke-free building, employees who wish to smoke may do so outside of the office, no more than 15 feet from the entrance, only during designated break time. Cigarettes should be disposed of properly and not thrown on the ground. And that is it. That's the only thing they say about smoke breaks. And there's supposed to be designated break times, and we have no designated break times. They just go outside whenever they feel like it. They are gone for 20 to 30 minutes, maybe 10 to 15 times a day, literally, after they have their morning coffee, after they cut, uh, turn on their computer, after they, I mean, it's just after they go to the restroom, they're always just constantly taking smoke breaks. And I'm noticing, like, 
it's just interesting to me that this is something that's not um, an issue for the most part. However, today, the, the white female, she had her performance review, and she was, you know, complaining about the fact that she got reprimanded because of the amount of smoke breaks that she takes. And she kind of came back to her desk and was like, anyway, I'm going to smoke. So even though she, you know, kind of got reprimanded, it wasn't a write-up. It wasn't anything that was a big deal. And she went to take a smoke break. I thought that was interesting. And the last thing I'll share is that we had six um, clerks, like filing clerks in the firm. Um, Out of the six, four of them were black females and one was a white female and all four of the black females walked off they walked off and before uh, they left uh, they quit one of them came up to me she was like i want to tell you bye i really like working here with you but you know we don't like how we're being treated we don't like the fact that you know we're being there's a lot of racism in this firm and we just don't want to take it no more and so i was just kind of like i guess just proud that they stood up for themselves because I did hear a lot a lot of complaining and I did notice a lot of mistreatment of black clerks and they did walk off they just <laughs> they just couldn't take it anymore and they found themselves other jobs and kind of left the firm hanging so that's what I wanted to share and I'm my that's black self-respect right on um are you are you going to start based on your uh evaluation are you going to start eating with the other folks during lunchtime? Absolutely not. Dang. Absolutely not. Dang. <laughs> Dang. Um, that is uh, one thing I will share. Uh, and thank you for sharing that because that's a pattern that I've noted. Uh, when we are asked on jobs to give a self-evaluation, um, where it seems a pattern is that we are kind of modest in our self-evaluation. Uh, that's something that I think we should not do in the context of the work environment. Like humility is great in counter-racism and dealing with other black people. But I think when we are on these racist jobs, that is not a place where we should be humble uh, with regards to how we evaluate ourselves. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, one of our black female listeners in the Wisconsin area um, <clears throat> She she had a self-evaluation and she I think it was like very high, high, moderate, low, very low. I think that was the scale. And I think she had like high or moderate or what have you. And I was saying, why? You know, because I think she had dealt with sexual abuse on the job, too. And I was like, hey, man, you it should be very high in some of these areas because you've had to deal with a lot of stress and have still done your job well. So I think for black people. With all of the strain, you're in an environment where people are walking off the job because of racism. So you're in a very toxic environment. I think it should be, hey, great. I am I am outstanding. I think I mean, you can be honest. And, you know, if there are areas where, you know, you want to work on and get better. But I think we should not be honest uh, on those jobs. And then a lot of times, too, you'll have at least one white person that does not like you. So if they get a say so, you already know that's going to be one where you're going to have lots of low marks, lots of, you know, twos, maybe even ones, zeros. Uh, You know, we need to get rid of them right now. So that's one thing I would encourage us uh, on the job, like really be a strong advocate for yourself, like no modesty, 
boom, I'm getting high marks. I am a victim of racism. I have to tolerate you racists 40 hours a week or whatever my schedule is. I am not going to be modest. I am really going to make sure that I sell myself well. Uh, that's something I think we should make a part of the, the black self-respect counter-racist work code. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's all I want to say. Uh, other folks, uh, if you had uh, commentary, questions, uh, if you want to share your own uh, thoughts, feel free. Can I be heard? Uh, yes. Yes, Roz. Uh, greetings to you, Gus. Um, I can't agree with you more. No modesty. We are suffering. We're abused. We're getting it from every angle possible with these beasts. So, yes, every opportunity you get that where you can help yourself, do so to the furthest extent possible. Um, I also agree. Gus talked, uh, talked about this recently, too. Um, and it's something that I practice is you know, making sure, making sure that if I am really uh, treated well by a black person and I have a great experience with them, that I let their uh, manager know about that, whether it's through a write-up, whether it's completing a survey after the call is over or um, writing a note to someone and, at, you know, I'll ask them for their supervisor's information and write them a note, whatever it is, I will do that. So I agree emphatically that can be um, very, uh, have a very powerful effect sometimes on how, situations can play out on the job so i definitely agree with that um some of my workplace observations uh first was there was a because i dropped off at one point in the call and i called back a while later but there was a black female earlier who um discussed she was getting uh, touched on the job and she wanted to know how to deal with that and first i would say um to go to your company's manual and look up the sexual harassment policy um, and, and, and see if it specifically describes unwanted touching because just about every job that I've worked, when I looked at the uh, sexual harassment policy, unwanted touching is spelled out in plain letters. And once you find that, you, I would approach the person and um, ask them to stop. If they continue, then if you have a meeting <laughs> where you all get together, um, I would ask without calling the person out by name or exposing them, but I would ask, what is the uh, sexual harassment policy in regards to unwanted touching? I just think everybody should be made aware of that um, so that there's no issues moving forward or whatever the case may be so that person doesn't feel like they're calling them out. Yet they would, of course, be of the understanding since you've already told them you don't want them touching you, that you're asking that for a reason so that everybody present will understand what's going on. And then from there, see what takes place. And if so, then I will move forward with, um, you know, some sort of uh, dealing with HR in regards to, being mistreated, but I would record any and every conversation I have with that person regarding the unwanted touching because um, white people are liars and you're in retail and white people in retail are probably better liars because they're usually like just not the, the greatest white people as far as their character, not that any of them have character as far as I'm concerned, but um, some of the ones with the worst character traits tend to work in retail and work in um, situations where, where they're dealing with people face-to-face -face because they get to be ab abusive in ways that they might not be in difference in, in another setting. So I would definitely do that and record every conversation I have. Even, with, even if I had to go to HR, I would record that conversation whatever conversations you have with that person, I'll record that. Um, and just, just keep a record of everything. Um, and you can, there's a very cheap USB drive you can get on Amazon for like $11. 
and it records up to 13 hours of conversation, so you can even record your entire workday if you wanted to. And if there's anything that happens that you wish to save, you can also edit it to the place that you need and keep those recordings, keep just a running tally of those recordings. So if something comes up, you can go right to that audio and let them hear the person in their own words. Or if that woman tries to lie on you and say that you were rude to her or, or tries to flip it and says that you did something to her, you have the conversation to prove that this person is, a, is a, liar, a liar. So I just wanted to put that out there for you. And I wish you the best because any touching by those vampiric beasts is something you don't want. Um, I had a similar situation, actually, that I was going to discuss. There was a person who called for some assistance. I work in uh, health insurance. And um, she was a white racist, an older white racist. And um, ultimately, she had called multiple providers and facilities for different medical services. And she was told from what she said, she was told that the, all of those providers, there was a total of about six of them, did not take our company's insurance. And we did have some issues where some providers were telling people that information and it was inaccurate and we would have to have someone reach out to them in order to connect with the, um, the liaison that they have to make sure that their records are up to date and all of those things. And once that was taken care of, then the person would be able to call and set up their appointment and do whatever they had to do. So she called and she had talked to two other coworkers of mine. One was a black female, the other was a Chinese male. And she complained about both of them from the very beginning. She just wanted to complain. She just started, com the whole conversation started off with complaining and she tried to be quote unquote nice to me on the phone, but yet she's complaining about my coworkers. And at the time I didn't know that she had made racist statements against Asians and racist statements against black people. So I'm dealing with her, but before I got on the phone with her, I spoke to my Chinese coworker who kind of explained the, the type of personality she is because she was known to keep people on the phone for like an hour and 35 minutes a pot. So every time she would call, somebody would be trapped on the phone. And it was those two people that I just discussed that ended up in those situations. So once they got an understanding for the personality type, then he wanted to explain so that I would be able to shorten the call. So, um, I said, okay, cool. So once I get on the phone and she starts talking, so I'm pleasant or whatever, and she's trying to basically just complain. And then she got her husband and they were tag teaming me on the phone. So I said, oh, well, I can't listen to two of you. I need to just get to the, the, the meat of what you're calling about so we can get this rectified. So she went on her spiel repeating herself uh, twice over. And I said, well, I'm not going for a third. I said, listen, I need to escalate these tickets to get these providers educated so that you can go get your medical care because she was saying she couldn't get any medical care and she hasn't had medical care since January and she can't get doctor's appointments and she's going on and on. So I said, the only way I can do that is when you're off of the phone. And I said, you've already explained yourself thoroughly the first two times, and I know exactly what I need to do. Now I need to basically release this call so I can facilitate this and get back to you in a timely manner so all of the things that you called about can be rectified in one phone call. You can make your appointments, get your, your um, test done or whatever you need done, and you're good to go. And I got her off the phone um, within about 25 to 30 minutes. My coworkers were flabbergasted that I was able to do so. Um, and that's when I found out that she was a racist and I felt even better about it. Once I, once I found out that she, well, she's white, so she's racist automatically. And I really don't give two hoots about any white person that I talk to on the phone. So, um, but when I realized that she actually was overtly racist, I felt even better about it that I shut her down the way I did because I don't like white people. Um, the other incident happened after work. I'm traveling home from work, standing in uh, Penn station, New York, 34th street, waiting for the train. And it's kind of crowded, and we're waiting in front of, there's a, a, a T 
TV screen that has all of the different trains that are coming and what times they're arriving and which trains are boarding or whatever the case may be. So I'm standing as close as possible because I have some vision issues. So I stand really close to the, um, to the monitor, but far back enough that other people that are crowding around can see. So people are going to catch their trains and there's this short white guy with a backpack and I'm up against the wall. So I lean over to kind of see the screen because I'm literally up against the wall. So I'm as far out of the way as possible, but close enough that I can see what I need to see so I can catch the train once they post it. So when he sees me lean, I guess somewhere in his Neanderthal mind, he thought that um, I was inviting him to try and squeeze past me so he can catch his train. So then he says, excuse me. And I said, okay. So I moved as far as I can go to my right to give him room to get by. And there wasn't enough room. So I was hoping he would have the common sense and his Neanderthal brain to see that he wouldn't be able to get through that small space. But no, he does what Neanderthal white people do. He tries to push past me. So as he does, I just kind of pivot and turn, and then I shove him through. And he turns around. I said, don't you ever touch me. I said, you should have gone the other way like anyone else with sense would have done. But I said, don't you ever touch me. And I shot him the look of death, and he just kind of shrugged his shoulders, turned his little red-beaded white supremacist face around, and went to catch his train. He didn't want any parts of me. And I was like, that's fine because I'm not going to have it. And I don't have it from you white people. So thanks for listening to my workplace incidents. White people are terroristic. Keep your sanity. Keep your health. And don't tolerate nonsense from white people. Thank you. And I'm mute my line. Ashe. Wow. Those commutes, man, I talked about that. The terrorism continues. That is, in my view, that is a part of workplace racism, what happens on the commute to and from work. In fact, even uh, racists making the commute, you know, three hours uh, in some cases where they uh, make it so that non-white people have to go a tremendous distance from their residence to, to get to some place where they can make a few coins. How many ever coins racists will allow? Um, other folks who have dialed in that we have not heard from, if you have commentary, uh, if you'd like to share your own situation, or if you have uh, comments about what we've heard thus far, uh, feel free to dial in. Uh, folks we have not heard from at all, feel free. Hello? Yeah. Yes, sir. Can I, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Good evening, Gus. Good evening, listeners. Uh, uh, this is my uh, second time calling and I'm so excited that we're doing this show tonight on workplace racism. And I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. I work for, I live in the city of Houston, and I work for the medical center, uh, Houston Methodist. And uh, today, you know, in, in representation of Black History Month, the uh, hospital decided to have a dinner today uh, on the menu. They had a special menu that they had in the cafeteria just for, for Black History Month today. And they uh, decided, as a representation of Black History Month, they had oxtails. So today they had oxtails in the hospital for you know, a Black History Month, celebrating Black History Month. And I just thought it was very odd, you know, I mean, that they could have picked any other thing, but they decided to pick oxtails. So I went down to the cafeteria today to get, you know, get some water. I didn't even know they had oxtails today on the menu. And when I went down to the cafeteria, black people was in line arguing over oxtails. It was so bad that they had HPD, the police department actually standing in the entrance 
of the of the cafeteria just in case something happens. I mean, you had black people in line arguing over oxtail, how they got low, they didn't get enough meat, there was too much fat on that oxtail. There was so people were so angry, they started arguing with the uh, the food attendants who was working behind the counter serving different plates. And uh, so I just thought it was kind of odd, and I was talking, I went and I went and got me a salad, and I was talking to. Uh, this older lady who, who's been working in the cafeteria for a long time, and she told me, she said, baby, I've been here for 20 years. You know, we used to have oxtail every, at least once a month. She said, the hospital stopped serving oxtail because two black women got into a physical, a physical altercation over oxtail. So the hospital actually stopped serving oxtails, and they actually brought it back today just for a Black History Month. And I just thought it was very odd that they serve slave food for Black History Month. And nobody pay any attention to it. And, you know, I, I'm learning now not, not to, to talk down to other black people because we are all victims of race supremacy. So I'm learning over time not to even talk negative about my people. But it was very hurtful to see black people, I mean, intelligent, educated black people, nurses, uh, art, I mean, just different from all walks of careers, I mean, who was in line, and the line was so long, people was literally arguing over oxtails. And I just thought it was so, so crazy to me. And, man, I just thought it was so weird, you know. But And it just happened today, and I was like, wow, that's the oddest thing. Of all the meals they could have chose, why did they choose oxtails? And people wasn't even offended by that. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and mute my line. Thanks for, thanks for accepting my call, Gus. <laughs> this is uh, our caller in the Bay Area mailed me this this week and I have visual proof <laughs> he took a photograph so this is from the Bay Area Black History Month in celebration and recognition of Black History Month you are invited to the following exciting events Tuesday February 21st soul food special in the cafeteria includes chicken greens mac and cheese and your choice of either peach cobbler or fountain drink now this was the black history the black history month here so we have chicken greens and macaroni and cheese uh or oxtails that is black history month 2017 uh at the end of the obama era uh, and for this person, it went on to say that on Wednesday, February 22nd, authentic African attire, garments, and jewelry will be on display in the lobby during lunch, not the whole day. Thursday, February 23rd, guest speaker Dominique Jarell will be bringing his road show to us from 12 to 2 p.m. in the lobby. I don't know who this, who this is. Uh, Friday, February 24th, a movie will be on display in room 505 from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. They don't list the movie. I'm going to find out what the movie is and report that back on the compensatory call. And it would be I'm just curious to see what it's going to be like the help uh, hidden colors. Like what is the movie going to be for the two hour period on Friday? But that's about tacky, trashy, terroristic. That is about as good as it gets. Oxtails. Uh, other folks that we have not heard from have commentary, workplace racism. Hello? Can I be here? Oh, sorry. Let's get uh, our female caller in the Bay Area first. Hi, thank you. Um, 
Okay, workplace racism. Um, so I work at the hotel. Can you hear me? I, oh, let me take it off the speaker. I might be a little amplified. Sorry about that. So um, I work at the hotel. Um, I have a um, Caucasian manager, Caucasian district manager. Everyone else is non-white except for one housekeeper. But she stole a lot of products and kept calling in and just quit. Um, so we're there. It's uh, everyone's black. Uh, maybe two, three Spanish people, uh, Spanish-speaking people from wherever. Um, um, so uh, our manager went on leave of absence. But before she went on leave of absence, maternity leave, she brought in this uh, uh, some form of Asian. This Asian lady um, from another store, she really asked her, could you come to my store, could you come to my store, because she didn't want anyone coming in from another site, seeing how trifling our site is. So the girl, um, she transferred to our site, and before she did, she kept her with her. Um, she looks like she might be the same nationality of whomever um, she's having her children with, uh, whatever um, form of Asian this is. And, um, so she keeps her with her and makes sure she, you know, come over here. Don't, don't mingle with them. Come over here. So she basically trained her how to, um, deal with us via her. So instead of her dealing, um, she's on leave of absence, but she still texts her and calls her, comes down and has lunch with her. And, um, the Asian lady, uh, I guess one of the housekeepers, uh, black housekeepers were getting into it with our, our general manager. And because she doesn't have any um, people skills, she's very disrespectful. She's just completely out of control and very dominant. She's just a jerk. And she treats us like uh, we're beneath her. And that's basically how she treats us. She doesn't, she might, she doesn't treat me like that, but I don't allow her. Um, But I'm sure when I leave, it's it's whatever. She looks for ways to, um, she finds things to nitpick at, not just, you know, I always make sure I read the handbook. I always try to follow the instructions of the company. So I, I don't really worry about her, but she really terrorizes the people that she spends the most time with. So her and the Asian girl are in the back where there's no cameras, and they're talking about us. And so um, the Asian lady's like, don't you wish you can just beat them into submission and make them listen? And so the other Asian guy heard her and um She's just looking like, oh, instead of folding towels, you guys are talking about how you're going to make a submit? And because he told me because I relieved him. So the lady leaves. She, the guy quits. The lady leaves. Um, the Caucasian lady leaves. Um, the guy that quit is, uh, she has a, that's her, whomever she's sleeping with or having these children with, that's his cousin. So he tells us how she just effeminizes him and mistreats him and, all day there, she just calls and argues, and it's just crazy. So she pops up at our site and has lunch with the Asian um, lead, and nothing is getting done as far as anything constructive. It's Everything is just a mess. The whole motel is disarrayed. It's dirty. It's just a mess. So they're out having lunch. The Asian lady brought a black girl in from another uh, site to come work there with her and um, gave her all the hours took hours from the other people that were there, even a person that was there before me, took her hours. She was supposed to be lead black girl. Now, they used the brakes out of her to 
do all this stuff thinking that she was going to be some kind of lead. That she, the manager never trained her. So I asked the girl, I said, if you're not being trained to this position, what makes you think you're going to get the position? I said, stop killing yourself to um, work here thinking you're going to get a position they, they took away. I said, did you know they took the position away so you wouldn't get it? And so she's, no, well, and she's believing in the Caucasian lady until she brought the Asian lady in. So the Asian lady brought a friend in and took everybody's hours, so she's getting, like, over 40 hours. So um, even though the girl, she's uh, black, but she's real heavy set and she doesn't do a lot of work. So um, nobody really gets along with the people that just came in, so now they're hiring in new people. You guys better watch your job because we're hiring this new Mexican man, and you better watch your job. So um, now uh, the district manager and uh, the tenant uh, residents, because sometimes people stay extendedly, their apartments are getting repaired, they're complaining about the cleanliness and the staff, and there's never enough supplies, and no one's ever at the front desk. They're complaining about whatever. So this one lady found the vice president and sent these, uh, this information to him. So I've never, I'm not there in the daytime, but we're supposed to have this audit, but we never had it. So um, the manager um, took, they cut the girl that thought she was going to be lead, the black girl, cut her hours maybe to three days a week to give to the other girl. So the girl sent a message to everybody except me because I work at night saying, if you don't put my hours back, I'm quitting. So um, they took her off the schedule. And um, so they, someone sent her a copy of that. And so she said, uh, our manager came in. And mind you, she's supposed to be on leave, but she just pops in acting like she's picking up a, a baby shower gift and um, said, who took, um, who should Lori the, a copy of the schedule? And then she, uh, <laughs> this other black girl um, just kind of shook her around a little with words. And then she asked her again, who sent her a copy? And then she said, I sent it. And she said, oh. So she runs the schedule through our manager that's on leave versus the one that's over everything. So um, now the manager that's over everything, because nothing has changed and there's still complaints, is bringing in another manager. And I don't know what they're going to do with our manager, but everybody's in an uproar as far as morale because there's no real management. And then the lead that's there, She's just there. She doesn't do any work. They're so lazy. They're just pointing, walks around. The place is nasty. So she wrote a note, clean the break room. The break room hasn't been cleaned since I've been working there. Um, I did an interview and the break room wasn't clean. So uh, clean up, clean up, because now everyone's honest about cleaning up. And so it's like, well, even if you don't want to wash your dishes, put them where I work so I can wash them. So I get there last night. And I see these dishes that's been in the break room for a month back there with me. Coffee with coffee, coffee pots were full of coffee back there in a bucket. You didn't have even common courtesy to pour the coffee up first and put it back there for me. So I washed the dishes, but I made a note. And I said, wash your own dishes. So I put a dish rack back there and a dishwashing liquid because there's a sink back there. And I was like, I am not the help. So don't bring your dishes for me. Wash your own dishes. They should never come where I am. So... We'll see what happened with that uh, when I um, get there tonight. But that's my workplace racism, and thank you for taking my calls. Wow. 
that is such a toxic environment. Like you shared about being there before and, and the safety uh, concerns and, and just the treacherous things that happened. This, uh, them just taking, you know, this, this, uh, black females hours, uh, just snatching them to give away. I mean, man, like I would, uh, I would really, uh, strive as best you can. I mean, I know it's just going to a different plantation, but I would definitely be, uh, making sure to keep my options open as, as for an escape route to get out of that situation. I just know so many times racists, they make it so tough, uh, to be able to find, uh, a stable, uh, employment so that we can take care of ourselves, uh, particularly once you have children and things and it's difficult to move around as much, they make it so difficult, but, uh, that sometimes we can end up being in these, uh, work situations that are extremely toxic, uh, and thinking just, Hey, if I can just hang on and, and be here for maybe uh, a month and, and then find something else. And then a month ends up, you know, turning into two years, um, like really, uh, make sure that you're, on the lookout aggressively um, to uh, to see uh, see when you can get out of that because that just man everything that we've heard about it is just way way uh, over the top uh, traumatic uh, in in so many ways and unsafe I think because we've talked about that before too having to deal with these you know whites the the patrons uh, who are intoxicated and violent and racist and and everything else um, other folks that. Uh, we have not heard from if they're folks that we have not heard from at all if you have a hand up uh, feel free line should be open yes ma'am. yes sir yes sir uh, greetings to you the hosts the callers and the listeners I um, I was listening to uh, some of the callers talk about um, the individuals who classify as white um, violating their personal space and or threatening to violate uh, their personal space or their person and their person. Um, I think uh, Mr. Ken Steele uh, spoke on someone threatening him, and then a lady spoke on someone uh, touching, her, touching her, and, um, and she didn't want uh, that uh, advancement. I would say uh, in those situations, um, well, you definitely always want to protect your person. You always want to protect your space. You always want to defend your space. Um, so tell, tell black men of anybody who has threatened your space or has already violated your space, point them out. It should be known if somebody violates you. Um, just like any crime, um, it's, it's made public. So if somebody is committing a crime against you, is committing a crime against your person um, and, and violating your space, then you should tell some black men about, you know, this problem. And then for the lady, somebody is touching you inappropriately. Well, if it were my sister, what I would do, she would have told me I'm a black man in her life. I would show up to the job. I would walk her um, from the door to my car let everybody know that I'm the black man present. Um, I will, I will engage to some degree, the individual who has violated her. And I think that, you know, it doesn't need to get, um, out of hand, but still there needs to be known that there is a presence. There's a, a black male presence and, and we don't accept our space being violated. 
Uh, so that's one thing I wanted to say. And also, I heard the program uh, yesterday, and that was really an awesome program. Um, and I work in uh, churches a lot of times, so I'm, I'm currently working at a church. And um, I'm just very excited to uh, share that information. So, uh, again, thank you for the program. Uh, thank you. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, what, what uh, when you say, you know, you would... Uh, approach if a, if a white person uh, in a job situation uh, like what, what was presented, uh, a white person touched uh, your sibling uh, or your wife, someone that you care about. Uh, they reported to you this white person physically violated me. They you know touched me uh, on the job after I told them repeatedly uh, not to do this, and they continue to do it anyway. Uh, you said where you would. Uh, approach the person and it doesn't have to get you know violently out of control or anything like that but you would just make it known that your presence is there what would you say like specifically yes sir, I, was mute. I, I muted myself uh, I would just very specifically uh, say hello um, I wouldn't tell you who I was it's not necessary it doesn't matter who I am you need to know that I know that person. So I would say, hello, um, please do not touch this individual unnecessarily. Don't touch my wife unnecessarily. Don't touch my sister unnecessarily. You need to know that I'm telling you very directly, don't touch them. So that's, that's what I would say. Or if I thought that that would get violent, I would just uh, approach the boss, whoever owns the place, and tell them the situation and that I would tell them that I will either – um, I would invite, I would ask them to invite me or you need to deal with it directly and I need to, um, to get a response. So that's what I would say. Yes, sir. Hmm. I don't want, I don't want dig that. I do, I do think there are probably some workplace situations where you might not have easy access to the uh, white person in charge. I do know they have, they have security, right, in some workplace settings. So you maybe you get access to that white person. Maybe you don't. Uh, other folks that dialed in who have uh, questions, comments, if you yeah, wish. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, uh, girlfriend, how, how y'all doing? Um, I was listening. Um, I haven't called in a while, but um, there's some things that I have heard tonight that, that I want to bring, especially about the evaluation that whites give us, you have to, you know, re always remember that's one slick way that white people try to get rid of black people is through those evaluations. You know, they'll give you evaluation and, and try to mark it down in an area. And the best weapon, your best defense against that, because I've been through this, you know, before, and white folks on my job, I haven't gotten an evaluation in 10 years, you know. They always try to uh, practice racism against me, but what I always do is I always ask questions, and all my evaluations they end up being destroyed. When every time a white person would give you a, or give me a, a bad evaluation, this is what you always say to them. And, you know, you go to them and they say, okay, you evaluated me the whole year. Why are you giving me a bad evaluation now and you didn't say anything earlier? And I always ask them, what suggestion or, or plan did you give me to indicate that I was doing bad in an area? 
you know, and that would stop them right then in the tracks, you know. I Then, you know, I put that in there. Then when that evaluation goes to higher-ups, all my evaluations have disappeared. And um, another thing, too, you always got to remember about, like I said, about evaluation. You know, they, you know, they try to, like I said, they try to be sneaky. They'll give you, if they give you enough of those and you don't respond to anything negative, it can build up and they can get rid of you. And there's something else, too, I was reading years ago on a, uh, on a job. You know, even with, with when you're around white people, you don't really want to, you know, uh, isolate yourself. But I always do. Another weapon is to try to get knowledge from these white people on what's going on with, you know, other white people. You know, you go, yeah, I don't mean to hang out with them on, you know, your lunchtime or, you know, after work, you know, just, you know, you're walking to the, the white person, you know, and say, hey, whatever happened to such and such? What is such and such doing? You know, the white people give you information. It's valuable information you might need, you know, in case, you know, they practice racism and you have to go, you know, and file a charge or something against the people. And also, too, and I always, and I, and I think maybe other people have experienced this. One thing that I've always experienced on the job is I always think it's interesting <clears throat> how some of the white people, you know, that are racist, you know, they'll see you in the hall and they always give you that old phony smile or that old fake grin. And it's like, and you know, it's like, they hire some, but they just look at you. You know, that phony grin, that smirk they give you. I'm like, yeah, right. And I just keep it moving. And also too, let's see, what else did I have? Um, Oh, yeah, I guess the lady was talking about earlier and her, about her evaluation. You know, she was saying, oh, you need to be more sociable and all this like this. If that were me, if a supervisor said that to me in a, in a, um, in a meeting without being evaluated, I would say, well, how is that going to give me a, a raise and a promotion? I said, well, if I start eating, I said, well, first of all, this is my free time. You know, I could, you know, I don't want to. You know, I want to do other things. You know, you don't even have to be at the office on your lunch or free time. I always remind them, how is that going to give me a pay raise and a promotion? You know, I say, well, like you gave the other people. And I, I just ask them that question, point out blank. Because, you know, on my job, and, and this is what happened on, on my job. They had a job. It was a, I think it was for a manager's position. Now, a black manager, and this is one, one thing I want to bring up. They would have a black manager. This one black manager they had. He retired. Now, the position he had, people of color, minorities, you know, it was for environmental justice, you know, stopping, um, you know, whites from uh, polluting black neighborhoods. Now, when he retired, they gave that, that was a, I think about a, a six-figure job. They wouldn't give that job to any black person. They gave it to a white person. And I brought that up then. I said, well, I said, well, I told other blacks, you know, all of us are qualified. So why did they give that job to a white person when any one of us? And I said, look at all these promotions they gave to white people 
and none of us got anything. Even a job that says minority, that has to deal with minorities, they didn't even give that to us. I said, that that should tell you something there. And I think this is just the last thing I had. Hold on. Um, yeah, that, that's about it. That's all I had. That's what, like I said earlier, you know, like I said a few shows ago, always write down everything you do on these jobs. Oh, yeah. And another thing, too, always talk to uh, other uh, non, uh, if there are other people uh, of color on the job, talk to them. And, uh, you know, if, if they're receptive, because a lot of times they go through the same thing. And that, too, you know, the more knowledge you get about these people on the job, about racism, the better off you are, you know, when you know what white person is what white person's friend or what they're doing to other people of color that are classified as non-black Indian or non-black, uh, non-white Hispanic. Yeah, always, if you can, always get not, uh, information from them and see how they're treated. Because when they start, you know, uh, discriminate against you, nine times out of ten, some of, some people might, you know, they might try to help you or, or say something too. All right, that's all I had, and I'll leave my line. Thank you kindly for sharing, sir. Uh, are there other folks that we have not heard from at all who had commentary? Other people that we have not heard from at all? Was that? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. We we can hear you. Uh, yes, thank you very much, sir. Uh, greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. I have a few observations from the uh, past couple of weeks. Uh, there was we we got a few. Well, one transfer and a new hiree is a uh, black male and. I'm not quite sure of uh, the behavior patterns of the person, but I definitely made sure that I was going to uh, start out being very courteous and uh, very constructive in how I interact with the person. So everything's pretty much uh, going smoothly so far. You know, I told him uh, in front of everyone, I said, you know, I wish you well and all of your endeavors and um, everything, you know, on your job and your position. You know, people seem to be, I guess, uh, you know, maybe a bit surprised, but it seemed to be received uh, well within uh, the area that I said it. And the uh, the next one was uh, there was a transfer. It was a black female, and uh, the, uh, the black female who got fired last time, she pretty much took her place. And uh, the other black female who didn't get the lead, position she was pretty much off today and the, the white woman was pretty much upset because she didn't know how to do her job <laughs> because the, the black the black female took the day off so you know i, I found that profound and uh, it's like she need her there to complete her job but yet she's a so-called supervisor so i found that out by asking questions and uh the next um incident was there was a uh a customer that came in and uh, it was a black male and he was pretty much, uh, I guess you can say complimenting uh, my white coworker, the female 
on her uh, curly hair, I guess. And he was just, he was so fixated on this and your hair is just so pretty. And then, you know, when he left, she was telling me, she said, you know, you know what? I get that all the time. You know, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but she was saying, I get that all the time. I don't know if that means from black males or just males in general, or maybe females. So that was one slight, uh, one small encounter. Um, the next was, there was a, uh, there was a, another female that used this phrase. Like I know we talk about metaphors and she says she, somebody, something's going to mess up if they throw a monkey wrench into it. So, you know, like I, I've looked up that term and I think it may have a, a white supremacist connotation to it. I could be incorrect, but you know, I pretty much recorded that, kept that in my mind. And, uh, she was pretty much saying things like, um, I think, you know, thank you, Jesus, and stuff. But she, she threw that in there. So, you know, whatever that that was supposed to mean. And uh, there was a there was a, another incident where I was walking into um, to do my courier route around 3 o'clock. And, you know, somebody was saying, oh, just the person I was talking about. And uh, so she said, well, you know, we got some some honey buns downstairs and uh you know because this person because i already knew what she was trying to do uh she was basically inviting me to uh go downstairs and get some um i guess some honey bun snacks because she pretty much uh restocks the vending machines so i guess they were already discussing on um making me a candidate you know to uh get these uh snacks so I asked questions. I said, so, oh, so what, they cost money? Are they free? She was saying, well, no, they're, they're free. So, and I asked, like, why and how are they free? Why are they free? And then, you know, by this time, we was in front of, uh, you know, a couple of uh, white people. So, you know, you know, like I boldly asked. And then she says, oh, well, because, <laughs> because uh, she, you know, she ain't say the word I was expecting. You know, well, you know, we just, we just have to restock them. And then I said, well, um, well, does that mean that the date is expired? And then, you know, she had to say yes, you know, like she can't hide from that. So she said yes, like it passed its expiration date. So she was basically trying to get me to eat uh, expired foods. So I was thinking, like, man, should I share that? Like, that could be a, a monumental act of uh, white supremacy. So, you know, and then <laughs> the white woman that... uh that sat in the front, you know, she was saying, yeah, I wouldn't eat that. And they were saying, well, you know, some of the sheriffs, they, they got about five or six of them. I don't even know if that was true. So I went downstairs and I actually seen them piled up on the counter. You know, they were due on one thirty one twenty seventeen. It's the 23rd of February. So that's almost like a month, you know, and, uh, I never really thought about that. So, yeah, I want I wanted to share that, and uh, that's pretty much all I have for now. And uh, thank you very much. Asking questions, asking questions. I'm such a big fan of that. Uh, that will generally take things where they need to go. If you ask enough questions, you ask the correct questions. Uh, even if you don't know the correct questions to ask, if you can just start asking some questions, uh, if you ask enough, 
you will find out what you need to know uh, about the situation. Uh, and that's that's typical in the workplace. I just say in general, like anything where whites are offering food in the workplace, I think the code should just be no thank you. Whatever excuse you need to make up, uh, it's Ramadan. I'm on a diet. I got a doctor's appointment, dentist appointment, anything, whatever you need to make up. Uh, I, I just do not accept food from whites on the job. That way we can cut through whatever it is uh, because that's, Typical. Uh, what's going to be waiting on the other end? Uh, they offer you some, offer you some pastries that expired like a month ago, and I'm supposed to be gleeful. <laughs> I mean, come on, man, come on. Like that's just that tacky, trashy, and tearing. That sounds like it's a little bit of all three. I'm to give you some expired honey buns from them, and then you got to go get them too. <laughs> like they can't even. Like, come on, man. Come on. Come on. That's the best we can do. I'm, a, I'm I'm not going to the cafeteria either. I'm just going to sit in my office and, and do my work if that's the best that we can do. Um, other folks, and right on for congratulating the new uh, hire. I think that's always great. I think uh, black self-respect when we can uh, be courteous and encouraging uh, to other victims of racism, and particularly even when you can do that publicly. Um, like, that is always awesome. Always awesome. Um, other folks that we, anybody that we have not heard from at all, uh, we have about uh, a little less than 50 minutes left in the program. If we have not heard from you at all and you had commentary on workplace racism, uh, you should speak up now. Uh, may I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi, this is Ari from Renton again. Um, I would just like to share a couple things. I want to respond to the non-white male who said they would go to their wives or their siblings, um, like workplace, um, to, to respond to the suspected racist. Um, I would, wouldn't recommend the black male going to the workplace. Um, I would just put myself in that position. Um, cause I fear for non-white males lives, um, just as much as I fear for mine. Um, and I also do have security. Um, they're the first ones to call the police. Um, if they fear enough for my life or my safety or my well-being to come to my workplace, I think they would also tell me to think of other options um, or just quit or find another workplace just to start over with these terrorists. Um, also, I would just like to share. Um, last Friday, I was terrorized by a suspected racist. Um, he often comes to the house to visit her parents. So on this day before she arrived, um, a young black man knocked on the door and said he was there to see his grandparents. Um, this is the first time I learned of the suspected racist having a non-white child. Um, his mother came to visit her parents not too long after he came, like an hour or so. Um, like I said, this lady visits Austin several times a week. Um, every time she visits, she always gives me a hard time. She's standoffish and seems dissatisfied. And like by within 10 minutes of her being there, I observed her child's demeanor change, um, the non-white male. Um, she immediately sat down and didn't say anything, no hi, hello, or nothing. Um, I also noticed, yeah, her son's demeanor changed, and before she came, he was talkative to his grandparents, um, talkative to me, and, like, right when the suspected racist walks in the door, um, 
yeah, he seemed to get a little weaker. Um, then she proceeded to look at her dad, who just had a fall, and he has, like, this big wound on his head. So she gets up and asks me if I have any supplies to change it um, because she thought it needed to be changed. She was complaining about that. So I asked her if she was going to do it, and she told me, why, why can't you do it? I told her I'm not delegated to, you know, change your dad's dressing, and she already knew that. Because um, in the state of Washington, you can't perform. Well, I can't perform a nursing task unless a nurse has delegated me to do so. So at this point, like I said, she already knew I couldn't do it, and she seems annoyed. Even though I could have easily gotten the supplies and quickly changed the dressing, I wasn't going to give her the satisfaction of that because if something happened, she could easily turn it around on me and say I wasn't supposed to do that. So as I was going to get the supplies, like I said, this is like 10 to 15 minutes within her getting to the house. I was getting the supplies in another person's room, um, and uh, this person, uh, the room I walked in, he needed help so to get into his wheelchair. So not even two minutes. Is she's knocking on the door asking me if I found band-aids. At this point, I'm kind of irritated because, like I said, I know when she walks in the door that she's just going to terrorize me. Um, so she called my name again. This is the second time. Like, I think a minute has gone by. Um, I'm just finishing up transferring the guys so I grab the supplies and go out and she's like looks at the supplies and she's like what are these I asked for a band-aid and this lady doesn't even know what to do or how to change a dressing because I'm showing her what she needed which wasn't band-aids um, it's obvious it wasn't a band-aid we turn the corner and I see she went ahead and ripped the dressing off of her dad's head that's why I assume she was knocking on the door hurriedly um, trying to rush me out because he had blood gushing, like, all down his face. Um, and so her son was trying to help his grandpa by just holding a um, napkin to his face. Um, and this is all, like, a three- to four-minute time frame. Uh, so he asked me to get the supplies, and uh, that's when it got serious, the blood gushing out of the man's head. Uh, I just looked at her, and I told her, you don't use Band-Aids. You have to spray this, put this on, and... Um, it was just crazy. Um, it made me wonder how much she really cared for her dad because it was seemed pretty uh, idiotic for somebody to do this. Um, something that I didn't want to be involved with, I ended up having to do because this lady just uh, didn't even have the supplies. I, um, at the end of it, once we got them all cleaned up and everything, she tells me, next time, just walk me through it. I wasn't even given four minutes to do what she asked me to do, and she was just terrorizing. So anyways, thanks for listening. Black self-respect and trying to uh, make an effort to not help white people talk about that all the time. Um, I was thinking the same thing, too. Like, white people don't really... The thing that they value is practicing white supremacy, (laughs) not even about being in love or in like with even other whites, uh, their own children or parents or whatever it is. Um, that's, I think a lot of us have seen evidence of that. They are just about the business of dominating non-white people forever. Um, but, uh, that, that sort of thing I think happens a lot on jobs as well, where we end up getting, uh, kind of pulled into other situations that are, these are clearly not our duties, not what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, we just get pulled into into some white people's uh, mess. Um, 
and it's you know a lot of times it'll be nothing we can do about it like in that sort of situation it's like oh my gosh you know emergency all hands on deck you know we've got to hop in here and get this done um but yeah and, and that seems like another one of those situations either where it's just her callousness where she just doesn't care and just as you said just doing things that seem flagrantly wrong that you just would not do if you have any sense uh and or the white incompetence where you told her what to do and she still seemed unable to follow those instructions. I think a lot of people have encountered that in workplace racism, even though this is not your colleague, obviously, but <clears throat> where white people just cannot seem to get it together. They're just so ignorant and so stupid that they got to have the non-white person come in and get this done. I think that's just another part of the charade, the tackiness. Uh, of white supremacy and some of this I think as you stated could just be callousness but I also think that some of it just yeah I'll just mess it up to make this this nigga woman have to come and you know take care of dad because I think you said she was shoving you out of the room so she could go rip the band-aid off and all that like yeah Uh, other folks that we have not heard from anybody that we missed completely Did we get everybody? Spec- Hello. Yes, ma'am. Can we? Yes, ma'am. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to let people know. I know we're not supposed to go out to movies and stuff, and I'm not going to. But that movie, Get Out, I guess it's really popular, and I think it's coming out this weekend. So be careful. You know, they might come to work talking about it on Monday. So, well, did you see that movie? And Blah, blah, blah. It was really interesting. The white people love it. And if you haven't seen the trailers, it's about this black guy, interracial couple. He goes to beat the white family. And this town is weird. And they, I guess, do bad things to young black men. So get ready for that conversation. I would uh, codify just I, I haven't seen it. Don't know what you're talking about. That way I'm just ignorant i don't have anything to say about it because i didn't see it and don't know the trailers don't know anything about it even better that's fine just just be ready right right even better uh my codified response for the job might even be i don't go to the movies <laughs> that will end all future conversations be like what yeah i just don't i just don't do movies last time i went people were being rowdy and loud and it was just too much of a hassle i just don't even do it anymore Any folks, uh, I will, seems like we got everybody. If if you have commentary that you think you want to share or provide. Uh, should, sure. Hang on one second. You should get a hand up before the last like five minutes. If there's something that you think you want to share, you should go ahead and speak up now. Uh, the number is 641-715-3640 and the code is 564-943-POUND. Press star six. If you would like to participate, uh, Mr. Steele, did you have commentary? Okay. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say uh, something. Uh, I guess um, peculiar happened to me, and this has happened to me on um, in past workplace environments. Um, I was uh, earlier. Uh, Today, I was uh, uh, in the bathroom, and uh, I was in a stall, 
And uh, I didn't really, um, in my estimation, do anything in the stall that warranted me standing in line and washing my hands. Because there was a lot of people in the bathroom and, you know, the, there was two sinks. And, you know, I just didn't really want to stand around, you know, uh, to pantomime washing my hands. Because, you know, I, I really don't like washing my hands every single time I'm in the bathroom. It strips, uh, you know, all the all the essence out of your hands and it just uh, it makes them very dry. So later that day, I, 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 I guess I just stormed out of the bathroom. Um, but later uh, that day, um, uh, my manager uh, pulled me aside and said that we had to go to a separate room. And uh, we went into a meeting room and then he said, um, he said, uh, you know, it's kind of not a big deal, but uh, uh, but uh, I heard from one of the other managers that you didn't wash your hands earlier today. And, you know, that's funny because I didn't, you know, I, I am always very cognizant. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, I, you know, I'm... I'm pretty cognizant of uh, this feature of the workplace because in a previous workplace that I've been in, um, I got called out uh, by my manager uh, for uh, doing the same thing, uh, which was reported by another manager, which made me think, you know, these people are watching you at all times. You could just be, you know, I, I didn't really do anything in the stall that warranted um, the, uh, the whole ritual of washing hands and everything like that. I didn't touch anything either, you know. Uh, so, but nevertheless, and on top of that, there's a, there's a, a, what is that? There's a hand sanitizer right there. And, you know, honestly, I, I'm just not that obsessed with, um, with sterility. And um, these people are, and they will know if you are not uh, up on that code. So I, I'm just going to warn all my fellow victims of, of, uh, of racism, white supremacy, that they are watching. And if you choose not to participate in the excessive hand-washing ritual that goes on in these workplaces, um, you know, I, I, I think you should just be mindful to pantomime um having washed your hands um that's what i usually do i did i failed to do so this one time and uh you know i got uh, a special meeting about it and uh, it was very awkward and um I, you know they're watching so that's something that uh that happened oh and another thing that happened today that was very peculiar um i noticed um, one time earlier, I was called out by, sorry, by my manager. Um, I was called out by my manager for um, hoarding snacks. You know, sometimes they they bring out snacks and you know, like they go really fast. So I'll, you know, I gotta just move this. Anyway, so I'm a. There are situations where basically I'm 
taking more snacks than I need at that particular time, and then I'm storing them in one of my file cabinets. I got called out by my manager that that's not allowed. Um, earlier today, I noticed he accidentally left one of his file cabinets open, and it was stock full of snacks. Not only does he, uh, you know, call me out for having too many snacks, he'll also make fun of me for eating snacks and not eating healthy. He, he you know, I guess he's one of these MMA guys, and he's always talking about eating healthy, even though I'm in, uh, anyway, he he basically was hoarding a lot of snacks. It was very awkward. I noticed this, and it was a behavior that was directly contrary to something that I was told directly by him um, earlier. So I don't know. Um, I think that may be, uh, may, these may be instances of workplace racism, and that's why I'm reporting them. Thank you. Wow, we hand washing and snack hoarding. That is uh, flagrant surveillance you got on your plantation. If anything, that just reinforces, I think, one of the main things that we say on the program all the time, that when you're on, on these jobs and what have you, that white people are watching you. That is, you know, just hogwash saying that white people are ignorant about racism. They're checking to see. Up, oh, he did up. Oh, he only used two drops of soap to wash his hands. And then going back and checking this, I mean, gee whiz, how many crackers am I allowed to take? Like, let's just get all the rules right now. How many snacks am I allowed? Okay. And damn, okay, we got that. Like, I mean, that, I mean, white people, they really, uh, I'm certainly some whites, they watch more than others. Uh, in some work environments, the surveillance is more intense than in others. But I mean, she just, uh, in my mind, you should just already be thinking white people, they are watching you intently uh, on the job, uh, every move, paying attention to you, trying to collect as much data as possible. That's how you maintain a system of white supremacy for centuries, as they have done. Uh, other folks have uh, commentary, workplace racism they wanted to share. Yeah, Hello. can I be heard? Uh, was there a female caller? Yes, sir. Well, guys, sir, I've told already. Here you go. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. See, that, and I'll be real brief. See, that's why I said earlier, always the knowledge on what's happening at your workplace. On Remember what I said to know who is whose friends? And, and then when you know that, you know who is who's going to watch you. You know, when I always, when they, when they watch me, I always make my point to watch them, you know, but that's something similar happened to me. Like you said about the snack and I brought it up to the, uh, well, my, the, the, the thing that I had was, I guess, parking one of the company cars, you know, the cars. And then one of the managers made a comment to me and I said, well, um, you said I parked it in the wrong area. I said, well, that's interesting because you didn't say, that to Bob, John, and Tom when they did the same thing. And earlier, I said another person, uh, Rick, uh, parked the car in the same spot. Why didn't you say anything to him? And you see, again, that, that shuts them up. You know, they get mad. And then that shuts them I let them know that when you watching me, I'm going to be watching you. <laughs> That's what I'm saying uh, earlier. Always knowledge about what's going on in your area, you know, because the, and you're right, they do have spies 
some of these white folks have friends, and you know, that's what I'm saying. Who's whose friend? Because they have friends that they spy you. Some white person may not like you, you know, and then they'll have their other friends, or, you know, they want to practice racism against you, so they'll have their other friends spy on you. So that that's what I'm that's that's what I'm saying. Just to be aware on who is whose friends and who who will be watching you. You know, that's why the white folks they they hate. I'm I'm the enemy number one. You know, I won't let them get nothing past me. You know, then they gotta remember they have the power. I don't, and I'll I'll be my line. The female caller that spoke up. Were you gonna share? Oh yes, I was. Um, about the hand washing, I understand your your ideal about it, but my attitude is if I'm going to work around white people, I'm going to wash my hands. They love to touch their dogs, let the dog lick their face, this, that, the other. You see how they behave. You hear about some of the diseases. Just for your own safety, do something. Make sure I would, I know you may not want to do it all the time, but that's, you just have to be careful. I know. And then, you know, especially depending on your environment. Like I work at a school, I think I said that last week. I work at a school and I have three classes of students, and I've already had 10 students. Most of my students were um, majority white. They've all had the flu. I got one that got pneumonia. This, that. I told us, I don't know what y'all are doing, but do not do it so close together and don't do it near me. But no, you have to be careful about that. Wow. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, um, Yeah, one thing I've noticed is that um, I've, I've, had, um, I've had partners that, uh, girlfriends who have been, like, into, like, this idea of sterility, you know, always washing their hands, always having the, the hand sanitizer on deck, uh, honestly, oh, and then they grew up in homes that had antibacterial soap. Honestly, ventured off a bit much into food. the sanitizing. <laughs> it, it's just like, you know, just that I've noticed they have weaker immune systems. They're constantly getting sick. Um, I never get sick or I rarely get sick. And if I do get sick, I'm, I'm, I'm really quick to recover. My immune system is great. Um, I expose myself um, willfully to whatever the world has coming my way. And honestly, um, I think I'm a stronger person for it. So, yeah, I do not have the fear, and I do not engage in the simulated sterility that they have going on um, with all of these products and, and, um, and all of these chemicals that they convince us that we have to expose ourselves to all the time. And I'll mute my life. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um, I just definitely wanted to say uh, I appreciate everybody's input because even though you might have been responding to other people, I definitely have um, been taking notes and actually, um, especially uh, something that the retired firefighter said, I thought that was definitely very, um, uh, I found that very amusing. Um, but I did want to uh, just say um, that I, I found uh, there was another observation that I just thought about just listening to other stories. At, at my job, they were, I have been, um, I feel like it was 
maybe one of the female callers, maybe Emmy had said that um, really not even trying to smile at white people. And that's something that I've been trying to do as well to make sure that I'm not opening myself up to have more conversations and being more sociable than what I need to be. And I feel like that's something that they have been noticing. And I do feel like I am being watched a little bit closer because I have been trying to take a step back as far as what I've been, um, from what I, how I've been acting before. And I've noticed that once they see that, I guess they feel that they have to put me at ease or do something, say something to me, which it seems like it's kind of backfiring. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is that they would like to try to bring up something good that I've done, but it doesn't come with like a, a promotion or anything like that. I've actually told, I've actually been told that, do I have to stay right where I am, even though I'm, I'm feeling like I'm kind of stagnant. So I, I, I just wanted to to mention that, and, I, and like I said, I definitely appreciate everyone's um, commentary. Thank you. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, thanks uh, for allowing me to speak again, Gus. Um, about the black male who said that he had the uh, altercation or was reprimanded for the snacks, I almost split my side, but the, the kicker was when he left his drawer open, his drawer was full of snacks. And that's exactly what they do. Everything they tell you to do, they're not doing themselves. It's do as I say, not as I do. That is white supremacy. That is rhetorical ethics in action. And um, it was pretty disgusting. And just the general thing for, for um, some of the callers, um, I use a cold water diffuser at work, and I use disinfectant essential oils like Port Thieves oil, things like that. Um, and I'm not the only one that actually does so in order to prevent getting sick because working in the healthcare industry, dealing with insurance, I come across the illnesses that white people carry and they are vectors of everything. They carry all kinds of filth. So to protect myself, that's what I do. And thankfully it's worked very, very well. It's something that my son does as well um, at college. And he said that it's definitely saved him from catching all kinds of things based on whatever roommates he might have that they saddle him with during a semester. So it's just, and you can get them for like $19.99 as far as the um, cold water diffuser. Um, and, and they're small, you can put them in a small space and just let it run. And you can get like some Four Thieves oil, uh, rosemary oil. Um, black pepper is actually good as well. Um, eucalyptus radiata, and there's a whole bunch of other ones you can learn about, and you can use them to protect yourself from getting sick. All right, that's it. Thank you very much, and I'll mute my line. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, other folks who had commentary they wanted to share. Actually, we had a person. Can I, can I respond to that real quick? Hang on can one I second. Hang on one second because we had someone who actually wrote in. Uh, this person uh, wrote, at work, I have noticed there are no black males in managerial positions and the very last to get promotions, if at all. Most managers are white males who either promote other white males and females, only black females who cozy up to them and non-black foreigners. It is very obvious and has been noticed by myself and other black males for years now. We are always the first to be looked over and the first to get fired no matter how competent we are or how hard we work. How should we bring this lack of promotion uh this lack of promotion 
to management, HR, or the EEOC. Uh, in my opinion, um, I think the only instances where I've seen where there's been any sort of success uh, in doing anything about this uh, is where you have actual data, uh, where you have, uh, like you're saying, that these people are, are not getting uh, promotions to managerial positions. Okay, when you have evidence that over a five-year period or whatever, however long we're talking, X number of black people applied for this manager spot and they didn't get it. Or you have within the whole company having data, the caller who keeps mentioning having information, you would have to have a lot of data. Those are the cases that I've seen that uh, where it worked out well and somebody got some sort of compensation or they did something to change things where they had data to show, hey, we have, you know, 20, 30 black qualified black employees here over a five year period. None of them have been promoted to the position of manager. Uh, you have, you know, 10 manager spots over a five year period. No black people have held those manager spots. And these are the evaluations that are glowing. This is their attendance to show that they've been here. What is the reason that you can show for not promoting any of these black people over a five year period? Like those are the, the cases that I've seen where you have all of that information. I mean, that would take a lot of data. Most of the times people that are seeing this, they don't have all of that data, even though it probably is happening. It's exactly what you're saying. So I would say just go about the business of getting as much data as you can. Uh, as we talk about on the program, being able to document if you can get your evaluations together. If you say that other black people on the job have noticed this, if you can all maybe meet off the job, if people want to bring in the evaluations so that you can start collecting data, how many manager spots are there uh, within this specific company? Or if you're looking at your specific branch, uh, you can look online if they have other branches. Is this a problem at other branches? Uh, do, is there any information online where this has been an issue where other people have accused them of not promoting black people to a manager's position, getting a lot of information and even thinking up front, is this something that you're willing to invest? I think Mr. Williams has talked about that as well. It, when you go that route, already knowing up front that this might be something that could take five years. We've heard about that before. It's not going to be anything that's going to be you go in with this information and they say, oh, OK, right. We got it. Uh, we got a new office for you as a manager. That's not generally how it's going to go. I don't hear about that often. It can end up being a three, four five year thing. Uh, where it takes to, to work out through all of this. So it's something where you would really have to think, is this something that I want to pursue? And if so, getting lots and lots of information. That's the only thing that I've seen that has made uh, any sort of impact in these sort of situations where they're deliberately not hiring black people or not promoting black people. Uh, I agree. I agree. And let me say this, because uh, I'll, get, I'll get off. Is that and and it does it takes years. One thing you don't want to do is go inside the agency. You want to go outside to another agency, like you say, like the Department of Human Rights or the EOC. And it does take years. And even though they start promoting uh, black people, it's not going to be even. Like I look at my job, and this is what I told black people, and I'll bring this up next week at other workplace racism is that they will have 30 or 40 white managers and two black managers, you know, or they, or like I said, in my situation, one retired, they say, okay, they complain, 
well, we'll, we'll just hire two more and we'll hire 50 uh, white managers. So it's, it's, even if black people do complain, it's not going to be even. It will never be even. That was my comment. I know. He, he used the term uh, complain in his email report. That's one, just one of the things in terms of uh, being mindful with the words that we use. Uh, I right. encourage not using the term complain. Uh, I'd say, you know, I'm making a report uh, or I mean, you, I generally would just say I'm making a report. This is not a com- uh, complaint. Uh, I'm making a report uh, of a possible violation or however you want to phrase it. But I just I would not say grievance. I don't have a grievance. I don't have a gripe. I don't have a complaint. Uh, I'm making a report of a possible violation. Subversive activity, right. as Mr. Fuller says it. Uh, other folks, uh, if it, anybody else have suggestion they would offer for the uh, male caller who was talking about the black males being excluded from these uh, manager positions? No suggestions. That is a tough one. If you get further details, update us. And for any of the folks who dialed in, kind of update us. Let us know the people, uh, the the female who called in about the touching issue, any of the problems or what have you that you experience. If you can update, that helps us adjust our code. If you you know tune in and you hear suggestions that sound feasible, sounds logical, sounds like something you might want to incorporate, you try it out. Let us know how it goes. If you say, hey, sounds like these folks are talking crazy. I'm going to use my brain computer, come up with my own solution, come up with my own code. Great. Let us know, you know, what you came up with and, and how it worked, because uh, that helps us, as I said, refine, adjust our code when we get feedback on, you know, how people responded to these different situations. Uh, other folks have commentary. We have about 15 minutes left. Other folks have commentary before we get ready to wrap up. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. I, uh, I don't know about a suggestion to uh, the caller. But uh, as far as uh, Dade County Fire Department is concerned, uh, and it's probably similar on other jobs on how white people uh, on the, the strategy and, and or tactics that they utilize with promotions, they normally uh, encourage a uh, class of young white people uh, to uh, take the test, you know, for whatever the promotion or promotion is about, especially the chief fire officer. And uh, because they know that that person is something like, uh, let's say, 30, early 30s, that they're going to be in that position for for about uh, 20 years or, or, or so. Uh, and it's not going to be, uh, especially if it's, in, if, if it's an administrative uh, position, uh, they're not they're not going to uh, be uh, going anywhere for a long time. And in turn, within about maybe out of that twenty some odd years, that person's going through in and around maybe about halfway through that, they have another class to do the same thing. Now, mind you, uh, to be uh, uh, refined, they would allow a small fraction of non-white people. And I put emphasis on non-white people, not just black people, but non-white people, 
uh, to uh, also sort of be a, 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 a speckling of, of non-white people also. So when it comes up to, uh, okay, well, you don't have that percentage because I noticed uh, with my time on, on the job that the, uh, the black firefighters organization would complain that, uh, and it's probably that way with most jobs, they would complain, well, uh, we make up a certain percentage of the area, so therefore, why don't it is a a, a, a uh, equal percentage of people in positions of authority on the job, and they always have some kind of uh, uh, incorrect excuse. But by by they have the that being that white people have the power, they can they can wait you out even though they may be wrong and they obviously they may be wrong. They can wait you out until you either get tired or someone gets promoted and it kind of like puts the argument down a little bit, you know, that sort of thing. Just keep going on and on and on and on with them. Uh, ultimately when it ends up in, it, all said and done playing with us, you know, in that, in that process. Uh, and it can go on for an, an eternity. As far as that concern, that's all I have to say on that. I was just listening to uh, the talk about promotions and how sometimes it works out, unfortunately. Thank you. Mm. Appreciate that, retired firefighter. Uh, other folks uh, have commentary. Last 10 minutes or so that we have in the program, other folks have commentary they want to get in. Yeah, I just, uh, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yeah, I just wanted to say, um, you know, regarding the snacks in his drawer, honestly, if I had to, if I had to give you the, the image, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Street Kings, but at the end of the movie where Forrest Whitaker tells Keanu Reeves, hey, tear down the wall, you know, expose all the, expose my hoard of, of, you know, money and, and secrets and everything. It was packed full. I mean, this whole drawer was packed full to the brim, had the best snacks from, you know, just a lot of, a lot of some of the best snacks, some of the best, uh, chips. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was, uh, I've never had a hoard that, um, tremendous. And even right now, I don't have any snacks. Truth be told, I don't have any snacks. I had some old granola bars uh, from a couple weeks ago, but that was it. But no snacks. And this guy has a a chalked full of to the brim file cabinet full of snacks. Not even sharing them either. So that's the situation that I'm I'm uh, in uh, with regard to that. Can I be heard? I heard you. Yes, ma'am, we can hear you. Oh, well, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe uh, she cannot hear us. Uh, Are you still there, the female caller? Are you still with us? Can you, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. 
Okay, I, I'm so sorry. Okay, I wanted to um, speak on the um, the black males getting the um, manager positions or not getting them. When I look at just like throughout history, they're not giving us those positions unless we're or the black males. I don't mean it like that. They're not giving the guy the black males those positions because white people don't want to listen to them, and um, they don't want black people telling them what to do. Particularly black men, they don't want to. They'd rather uh, cause a ruckus than have a black male overseeing them. So I think that's a lot of the reason why. And then the people that own these companies, they understand that also, so they don't set it up like that unless the black male is basically real submissive and does what he's told to the letter and um, isn't going to do anything to promote more black people or do anything against what their, what their um, code is. So, I, it just when I look through history, they're not going to allow that to happen. Not in their company. So they'll die before that'll happen. Some black man telling them what to do and running their stuff like that. You can make me money, but you're going to tell me what to do. So, that, that's what I wanted to add to that, just thinking about it. Okay, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, last five minutes or so folks have other suggestions or observations that they want to share before we get ready to wrap up. I did want to say it, it is, it is so consistent. Uh, as I stated, when I speak to non-white people off the air, what have you workplace racism, it comes up immediately. Uh, people have, uh, concern, even it happened, uh, earlier this week, I was talking with a, uh, black female and she said that her sister on her job a white woman came bearing gifts. She said, Oh, I have a, I have a garden and I have a gift. I want to share with you. Like I, I was just thinking of you when I saw this. Now this isn't one of my best gifts, but she brought in and it was like a dead plant, like not like kind of on the last leg and, you know, maybe need some water, but like totally dead, uh, plant. And, after some investigating and what have you, um, the female I was talking to, she said that her sister, that this happened right around election time. And she thinks that this race soldier, this white woman was just being tacky and sending some message connected with the election. And that was supposed to be kind of like some veiled insult <laughs> connected to, you know, Trump winning the election and goodbye to, you know, no good Negro president Obama. But um, this is I mean, this is all the time. So, you know, just again, no spectators. And this is what you can expect. It's all sorts of tackiness on the job. And really, I think just one of the best things we can do, not being surprised, uh, really having in mind what it means to be white so that we uh, expect them to do all kinds of tacky and trifling things to us. Uh, anybody have uh, anything else they want to get in last few minutes? Folks satisfied? I'll assume folks are good. Uh, we will be here for Workplace Racism next Thursday, same time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Every Thursday, should be no confusion about that. Every Thursday, Workplace Racism, you can email your comments in throughout the week and share. And certainly, as I said, update. If you tune into the program, if you call in, share something. Let us know how things uh, evolved for you. That helps us uh, get better, uh, get a better understanding just of workplace racism and counter racism on the job. We'll be here tomorrow. 
The Delectable Negro, Part 5. Uh, we're picking up, we're kind of at the end of Chapter 3. Uh, we're about halfway uh, through the book Vincent Woodard, the late Vincent Woodard. Uh, tune in, uh, really enjoying the text uh, and are looking forward to getting more. We'll be here on Saturday for the compensatory call-in, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We'll review activities that have taken place over the last seven days. Uh, if you have suggestions, uh, if you can't find something in the archives, if you just have questions about the broadcast, feel free to drop an email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com we will share your comments uh, on the program invest if you think the program is constructive racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com listener supported counter racist radio when you hit the blog you will see our PayPal button in the top right corner. If you're not into PayPal, drop us an email. We will get you a physical mailing address. Huge thanks to all the folks who have supported, invested in us eight years, uh, hopefully of providing constructive information on what white supremacy racism is, how it works, what it means to be classified as white. That's it. Thanks again for everyone tuning in. And uh, again, keep those notes, documentation, in the workplace can be very, very helpful. Watch your temperament. All of us. Very, very important. And thanks to the female caller who shared about the white folks stealing on the job and getting caught, getting hauled out uh, from the workplace with the uh, enforcement officials assistance. Great uh, to hear that whites are the best by far at stealing and looting on jobs. With that creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? You're a victim. Yeah. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Yeah.